Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Hey, welcome in tonight's Along for the Ride. Along with Hayes Carlion, Lauren Brooks, and Andrew Gipton. I'm Frank Frangie. Hump Day is here. Right 78 here the hours away. Did you count that up? You just did that, didn't you? Yeah. You did it in your hand. I got saw, the pen in my I hand. Saw, I saw you were counting up. You were like If I've got a pen in my hand. You, I saw you put the, you carried the one. There's some arithmetic. Yeah. There's no question And if that. I take my shoes off, it's fancy oh, arithmetic. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hump day. We got a ball game. Look at this gorgeous day. I don't know it's going to get a little dreary the next couple of days, but look at this Actually, I, I, the weather looks like it's changed uh, a little bit. And really? So it is going to get cooler, but I don't see any rain uh, forecasted. So that is good Not news, even especially Friday? for our Friday, Friday. Correct, for our Friday pep rally. Oh, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. This time last week I was having to kind of tell you two to, to remain calm, like what Doug Peterson had to tell his yeah. players. How, how are you both feeling today? Can't do it. Not calm. <laughs> not calm. I'm not at all calm. I can't do it. The, uh, the, uh, we're four wins away from this city changing forever. The, uh, we were watching. That probably won't forever. happen, yeah. but that's that. where it is. That's to, to his point, yeah. if they don't lose again, that, that he said – Four weeks ago, right. they'll win the Super Bowl. That's well, now you're well, halfway to then. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. So you're, you're four wins away from changing this city yeah. forever. That's and even right. if the Jaguars went to the Super Bowl and didn't win it, the city still changes forever because that's the first time ever this franchise oh. has done that. Yeah, but I got news. We go, we're winning. We're it. winning. Okay. Yeah. Just, just so yeah. you know that. What, Trust me, you know, I would well, certainly about hope the so. Time, about the time Trayvon Walker and J- Josh Allen knocked the ball away from Jalen Hurts, okay, and Rayshon picks it up. We're winning. Okay, yeah. just saying that. So Jalen Hurts don't want any of this. Right, no. let, me, let me put that. Write me down for that. Okay, yeah. don't want any of this. I, I'm really excited. Gorgeous day. Beautiful time of year. Uh, so many people so excited. You can't go anywhere in town where they're not talking Jaguars, and that is just such a cool thing. And it really, really is. Lauren, you and I talked during the break or before the show. If you haven't watched the sounds of the, if you haven't been watching sounds of the game from that Jaguars.com. A digital team, which is so good, and Trent Padilla puts that whole thing together, and he's such a talent. That whole department, it is really a talented group. I mean, they've got like 18 or 19 of them in there, I think, and there's so many editors and shooters, and uh, they they it, they are really good. I mean, it it is. I don't know how the other teams are, but they're no better than this group. I really no, believe that. It I mean, has been sensational. They are good. So, and the great part about having a smart TV is you don't have to watch it on your phone or your iPad right. or your laptop. You put that bad boy right on YouTube yeah. on the TV, and you get to go in right back into the game, right where you were Saturday night. And all the emotions come right back. And uh, I, yeah, I thought it was so great. I had tears in my eyes at the end, even though I know how the story ends Saturday yeah. night. I still had tears in my eyes, and I loved when Tyson Campbell gets the the turnover chain put around his head, and he's celebrating the fact that he got you know to pick yeah. off Josh Dobbs. And they come back and they sit on the bench, and he's like, "Where did you get this?" To Rayshon Jenkins, and Rayshon's like, oh, "I got it from the stands." One of the fans. <laughs> <laughs> I just picked it up yeah. from the stands. Like, where did this come from? We've and never had this all season. And I got to be honest, if we're being honest, I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. At the end of Sounds of the Game, when Chad was in there talking to the team and saying, I'm so freaking proud of you guys, I might have welled up a little because I know how hard he's wanted this. I'm, I'm serious about that. I, I mean, I really did. You, if you haven't watched Sounds of the Game, you got to go do it. You really, you really have to go do it. They do such a good job with it. and It really takes you back through the game. It's, all, it's the whole game all over again in 19 minutes. But it's done like a movie it with is. theme music and, and, and slow motion at times and and, and sound at time from the players in locker room and sideline. And is, obviously the calls of the game from you guys. And, and our calls, but it's all, but it's all so, so good. And it's a, you watch it. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and Lauren brings up a great point because I haven't done that yet, but you're right. It deserves I haven't done the, it either. whatever the biggest screen is yeah. in your house or yeah. that you have. 
put it on that screen. You're, you're dead on. I can't wait to do that uh, for, for next week. I haven't week's. done it either. Uh, oh, that's, that's a great it's suggestion. It's even better. I'll do it tonight. Because it, it really is. It's like inside it's the like NFL. It's a documentary. Except instead of getting, you know, back in the day you watched inside the NFL and, you know, you get those great two or three minutes of, of how the game went. And this is, to your point, it's 19 minutes. It's a, it's a Braveheart version of that. And it really does seem like it's been put together by Spielberg or Christopher Nolan and I mean, <laughs> it, it James does. Cameron. It's I mean, dramatic. It's, it is. It's. Yeah. It is. It is incredible. So yeah, kudos to to those guys. It's fantastic. And yeah, you just see so much color that really uh, enhances your enjoyment of this special yeah. run. This one's 19 minutes. Most of them are 10 or 11. They were kind of kidding Trent about how long it was. But it's worth every bit of it. It's I, worth every bit of the 19, I can tell you that. I have to say, going into it, I was like, wow, that is longer. This is going to – but then about when it came to an end, I was like, I would absolutely watch 10 minutes more of this. Yeah. It was so exciting, and, and obviously the win was in such dramatic fashion. And, I mean, there were so many big plays in that game too. And so, yeah, they, they did a fantastic job. How yeah, about so Brinson we'll, we'll, Buckner firing up the guys before the yeah, game? Yeah, I was yeah, ready to suit yeah. up right oh, then too. Uh, yeah, so that was a great part. That was a great way to start it. But, I, mean, oh, I think he said Gibby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But there's so much of it. You're right, Gib. That was great. There's so much of that stuff that is that, that hearing the coaches talk to the players, hearing the players talk to each other, hearing Doug and Shad talk to the team after the game. You don't get that stuff, you no. know. And it, and it is really, it's really, I'm telling you, it's really good. And you get the feel of the game, you know. It, it was really, really good. So, so again, sounds of the game. You can find it on the Jags YouTube channel. Uh, if you haven't watched it, I'm guessing a lot of people here right now have watched it. But I think it, people like literally count down for it to come out on Tuesday night. Tuesday night at seven o'clock. It's either right, helmets right. and heels or the sounds of the game. Yeah, That's yeah. one or the other. <laughs> That's two pretty good options. <laughs> what that is. So anyway, if you uh, if you uh, if you get a chance, um, you have a great chance to listen to it. You really should do that. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna start the program in about five minutes or, or continue the program in about five minutes. Doug Peterson for Coach of the Year. I got a lot of thoughts about that. I'm trying not to be a homer. We haven't talked at length about that, but I'm gonna go through a little bit of it uh, with you today, and we'll talk about that. Injured quarterbacks sure are all the rage. Do you realize there's a – I mean, this week, Brock Purdy – I know he's been great, but he's still Brock Purdy. He's still a guy that nobody knew, right? Skylar Thompson. Anthony Brown could start a game today. Do you know who Anthony Brown is? Uh, I think he played C-3PO. Yeah, I mean, I mean Anthony Brown – Did you do you know who Anthony Brown is? Nope. Okay. I mean, Anthony Brown could start a playoff game. I can assure you that's a guy that just about everybody in our listening audience has never heard of. I mean, think about that, right? Yeah, I'd say the, the, there's going to be a couple laughers this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Miami, Buffalo at the top of that list because mm-hmm. uh, it's it's going to be, I think. So uh, you a, think Josh Allen's better than Scott? I'm going to go. Okay, if you, you know, had to pick two. Yeah, I, I try and save my real bold predictions yeah. for the end of the week. Yeah. But I will throw that one out there on a Wednesday. And Joe Burrow better than Anthony Brown. Yes. For, here, you, for you. Yes. I mean, that doesn't mean everyone's got to agree with you, but that's where you I, are. I always save, you know, a bold prediction for yeah. when we're at, you know, Island Wing Company, and today we're here on Southside. Right. For, uh, and I will go with uh, Joe Burrow is better than, than Anthony Brown uh, today. So, yeah, the Ravens are in big trouble, and uh, the Dolphins are in big trouble. Really, to your point, though, the mysterious team is the 49ers. They feel like. They're the strongest team in the NFC right now in terms of momentum. But you do wonder, does Brock Purdy turn into Brock Purdy at some point, turn into you know a seventh-round rookie, uh, and does he do it at the most inopportune time? I mean, to this point, all I've seen is Brock Purdy play well. That's all he's done. Yeah, so I can't at this point say, well, he's going to fall apart soon because it's the playoffs. No, he has been – 
Mr. Irrelevant has been an excellent quarterback. I expect that to continue. Yeah, sometimes it is what you see. Don't overthink it. If a guy looks like he's playing well, that means he's playing well. It's not. Sometimes it's not smoke and mirrors. Sometimes it means a guy's a pretty good player. So, uh, so thirteen so, touchdowns, four picks. Yeah, we'll say it again. Thirteen touchdowns, four picks. Yeah, for a guy who hadn't played very much. So certainly we'll talk about that. I got, when you get to that today on the program, injured quarterbacks. Uh, there's a cool Netflix documentary you were telling me about coming out. Tell the people what that. Is. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, February fifteenth, Netflix followed the PGA Tour all of last season just to do a you know a cool behind the scenes on this is how the PGA Tour season went along. Never dreaming that the live golf controversy would become such probably the biggest golf storyline in 25 years. Uh, and so certainly negative one. Yeah. So the trailer really uh, leads you to believe there's going to be some very uh, interesting, explosive revelations coming out of, you know, their access behind the scenes to what the golfers were, were thinking at the time and throughout the year and, and golfers that I'm sure, you know, ended up defecting at the end and going over to the to the live golf. That'll be fascinating because I think the PGA Tour did a great job of always remaining composed from the outs right from the outside perspective. They never freaked out. They never got upset. We all we saw was we're just going to take the high road. And right. I think behind closed doors, certainly all of the drama happened. And so getting kind of a peek into that will be fascinating. Yeah, I really will. I agree with you. So so certainly. Um, uh, we'll talk about what that means a little bit later on. But let's uh, – oh, Gator basketball. You guys are right. I was wrong. I, I, uh, I, I, that's the best game they've played. And, and they are – I will say this. We'll talk more about it. But they are rounding into something that at least we have an idea what they are. They're not great, but they are, there's a toughness to them. So I don't think LSU's great yeah. either. But should they be great? Like yeah. that's not fair to yeah. to expect in his no, first no, no, year. No, yeah. no, no, no. I, I, I think, I, but I think I, they could yeah. be pretty good, yeah. which I think would I, be – Awesome. Hey, for they, his first they year. could finish eight and twenty-four, and I'm not indicting him. Yeah, he just got there. He's had to find a way. I mean, I, I, I you know how I feel about this. We indict our coaches way too early. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the poster child for that. So, but I'm just saying they're better than I. They, they, there's the possibility exists that they might be better than I thought they were going to be. You, you, you had you've thought that all. Y'all both thought they'd be okay all along. Well, it's funny because if you were only watching the first half, yeah. Last night, towards the end of the first half, got better. But the first half against Georgia and the first part of the first half against LSU, you thought, this team is terrible. We, They're never going to win a game. Yeah, yeah, right. That, and they've looked that way a few times. So we'll talk about it. But that comes up later. Let's start with the Jaguars. I'm going to start with Doug Peterson for Coach of the Year and why after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. I have a vote on the AP uh, awards, and I voted for Doug for Coach of the Year because I, I think what he has done – I knew he would do well, and I knew he'd transfuse energy into this franchise and get them going, but I thought it would be a, a couple of years to really get it, and it clicked in after about eight weeks. Uh, it's amazing. The comments of Tony Dungy about uh, how he voted for Doug Peterson, Coach of the Year. I've tried to stay out of things that are so seem so blatantly homeristic, even though I'm a homer, and I, I make no apologies for that. But I got thinking about it. I think he's the coach of the year. I don't think he'll win it. I think Nick Sirianni will get it. But I think, and I'm okay with that. I think Nick Sirianni's done a good job with that team. I think other coaches have as well. I think it's a good ballot this year. But I think Doug Peterson is the coach of the year. Nick Sirianni, they were a plus five. They were nine and eight last year, 14 and three this year. They're five games better. Kevin O'Connell took over an 8-9 and nine team in his first year, was also a plus-five. They're 13-4. and four. But 
neither one of those guys had the dysfunction to take over that, that Doug did. The only two plus six coaches in the league are Doug Peterson and Dan Campbell. But Dan was there last year, okay? Doug Peterson is a first-year coach. He inherited an amazingly dysfunctional circumstance, one of the most dysfunctional circumstances of all time. He inherited a second-year quarterback who was rattled, who had not been coached very much in his first year. He inherited an incredibly young team uh, with almost no players from three years ago, almost zero players were on the team three years ago. And in one year, he has them nine and eight division winners after being three and 14 a year ago. He has them in all well positioned to win a playoff game, may not win it. I don't believe there's a coach in the league that did a better job or accomplished more than Doug Peterson. As, as Homer as that sounds, I true, and I'm not trying to make this a radio shtick, I truly don't believe there's another coach that did more than he did given the circumstances he had. Now, again, Nick Sirianni, they had the best record in the league or tied for it with the Chiefs, and they were 9-8 and eight a year ago. And they had not been a winning, a terrific winning franchise since Peterson left there. I get that. But they did just win the whole thing five years ago. You know, Doug Peterson took over a team that's been to the playoffs twice since the early 2000s. And I think it's the best coaching job of the year. He calls his plays. Um, you'd have a hard time convincing me somebody did a better job given what they were coaching. I mean, I mean, I am fully convinced he should be the coach of the year. I don't think he will be, but I agree with Tony Dungy. I'm full, and I'm trying not to be a homer. I'm trying. This is off, Randy. Let's just, let's let's rev up the Jags fans some more because I already revved up. I'm trying. That as God is my witness, that is not my intention here. I think he should be the coach of the year. I, I think he's got a great case. I, that's who I would vote for. I'd vote for Doug Peterson, but I know everything that went on here. So it's, it's easy, you know, to, to me to, to see that this team won four games over the previous two years combined. Obviously had the worst head coach in NFL history last year. Uh, a team that, you know, had lost all trust in the, really the process, the, the coach-player relationship. Uh, you know, so I, I, I think when you look at how far Doug Peterson has brought the Jaguars and they in winning a division title, uh, I would vote for Doug Peterson. The one that I don't get, before I get to the one that I think is, is pretty much every bit as deserving, the one that I would certainly understand, I don't get the day ball love for the Giants. They finished 9-7-1. and one. They finished third in the East. Now, they did win the wild, you know, get a wild card berth, but they faded – I think there was more to work with in New York than there was in Jacksonville. So I don't understand. And that's th- th- he was the front runner. Uh, now, I don't know if, if that'll take him to the finish line. Dayball, I don't get as much. I would be upset if Dayball gets it over Peterson. The coach that in Sirianni obviously should des- deserves consideration. The coach that I really think is on par with Peterson is Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Because to lose your starting quarterback – then to lose your backup quarterback and have to move to your third-string quarterback and go 13-4 and four is a testament to what a brilliant coach he is offensively. So, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would give it to Peterson. I would certainly understand Kyle Shanahan getting it. I would understand Sirianni getting it. I will be disappointed if, if Dayball is the selection. I think, to your point, Frank, I don't think it's a homer point. Because there were only two teams all season 
that finished without a pro bowler? The Bears and the Jaguars. The Bears finished where? Great with point. the number one overall pick. The Jaguars finished winning the division and making it into the playoffs. So, and you add every, the mess, everything that went wrong last year. The coach didn't survive the year. You had a culture where he may have kicked someone. Like, all those things you, you take and you say, wow, look what Doug Peterson did. But to have the talent that the other teams, I mean, including Kyle Shanahan, so much talent on that roster. Yes, he's done great things with backup quarterbacks, but there's still way more talented players. And yet Doug Peterson was still able to get this team to where they are. Brian Dayball, great point about the Pro Bowlers. Great point. I hadn't thought about that. So you're right. Brian Dayball, I, I think he did a good job. I, I think he was. Oh, I'm not saying he didn't yeah, do a good yeah, job. But he I did agree a good with, job. But, but I, I, and I left him out. He was a plus five, too. They were four wins last year, nine this year. So I, I left him out of the plus five or six department. But I don't know that he did any better job than Kevin O'Connell did. Kevin O'Connell, they won 13 games. That was plus five, and that was a f- and that's his first year there. You know, also. So, uh, no, I, 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 I think Doug. If you, if people, if you take away the market size, if you take away, I mean, and, and say you say he resuscitated the career of Daniel Jones. Well, Daniel Jones at least had some experience in the league. This is Trevor's second year, so so it, realistically, I, I uh, it's the best job. I don't think he's going to win it. I forgot about Dayball. You think Dayball's – who do you think is going to win it? Probably Dayball because it just seems like usually in these kind of things, yeah. the front runner, it's really tough I to agree. overtake him in the last few weeks. Uh, so Even over Sirianni, who, who early on was the odds. Yeah, odds I, th- I think it'll probably I, – I don't know. I mean, it, it is a really great race. It's a good ballot. So it, it could surprise us. Um, but I, I would think – I would put it at, at Dayball as probably the favorite. I would. I always thought it was going to be Sirianni, and then at the very end, when the Eagles lost a couple in a row, then I wondered if people started to yeah. to change that because obviously Jalen Hurts was the front runner for the MVP until he got hurt as well. I, I, the bottom line to this is he's either going to win or he's not going to win it. The bottom line to this is what we've been saying all along, but stop for a second and just take it in. Doug Peterson is one of the best National Football League coaches. Of the last five, ten years, he's on the ballot of he's not Belichick, but when you start talking about the great coaches, Andy Reid, he's on the he's he's in the conversation. Isn't it great we have that? The reason this thing started so well, twenty eight years ago, is because we had Tom Coughlin. Wayne Weaver did a lot of good things. The best thing he did was bring football to Jacksonville. The next best thing, in a close second, was hiring Tom Coughlin. That, I'm telling you, that, this, that is a uh, – I mean, Tom Coughlin was so good. He won two Super Bowls after he left. But, I, um, I, again, I just find myself thinking Doug Peterson is there's, – there's a magnificent special about that guy. And, and I'm telling you, man, he is a good coach. And, and whether they win or not this weekend, nothing that happens this week changes that at all. Nothing that happens this week changes it at all. Well, we love our list in the off season. So and, and hopefully we won't be looking at really any lists in the off season for another five or six weeks. But at some point we're gonna look at the list when, you know, sports writers that are bored in the summer put out there ranking the NFL head coaches one through thirty two. And last year Doug Peterson it felt like was somewhere in the twelve to thirteen range, you know, right in there on most of the lists. He's gonna be top five next no year. No question. Because now you've got the Super Bowl championship in Philadelphia plus getting the Jacksonville Jaguars to an AFC South title in your first year. Uh, so, you know, obviously, you know, he'll be behind 
Reed and Belichick and uh, you know I'm not saying he'll be in the top like five, but I'd be surprised if he's not in the top seven or eight. Uh, you know I just and, and it, it is it's it's awesome to see. You know we just haven't haven't had that you know very often in our franchise's history. Rabel was named the coach of the year January 27th of 2022, so we still have a couple weeks based off of how the Jaguars do maybe I think the, the voting's voting, done the voting's already done okay they just haven't announced it yet okay because yeah. I was gonna say if the Jaguars yeah. win two games then you'd think it would have to be Peterson the Jacksonville Jaguars have moved on to the second round this is their 28th season in 27 previous years the Jacksonville Jaguars have moved on to a second round of the playoffs five times 96 98 99 2007 and 2017 Five times in a 27-year history of a franchise. This guy is one game away from doing it in his first year, inheriting a rookie quarterback and youth all around him, and Lauren made the best point of all, and zero pro bowlers. How about that? I mean, if you, if you really think about that, I got, I got a hard time voting for anybody else. Dave Bowl wins it because he's in New York, and more people know the New York coach. I'm not trying to knock him, but, but – if he wins it, it's because more people know the New York coach. And people that's it, that's have it. given up on Daniel Jones completely. And that's a big part of it, and, too. And they started so fast. Right. right. So that's what helps. It's sort of like the Heisman. If, you know, the guys that are in the conversation in September, that just tends to help them for whatever reason later. It's like voters have just had it sort of in their mind for months. You know, the Giants, I think, started, what was it, like 6-0? and or something like that. Uh, they started incredibly hot, and then they sort of fizzled, which is why I don't think he should win it. Um, but it's just a lot of times for voters, it's hard to get the established guy in October out of their minds when they go to vote in uh, late December, early January. I'll take it right. Let's stay, on, let's stay on the Chargers and Jags game. Talk a little bit about the Chargers, uh, the history of the Chargers, who are they, that and a whole lot more. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. They got really good players over there that play hard and, and – Again, they got two of the best pass rushers in the game. And you kind of have to know where 13 is on offense, right? You got to kind of know where 97, 52, maybe number three on defense and some of these guys. And, and just making sure that, that uh, um, you know, you're locked into your, your job and, and, and focused on, on what you need, you need to do, um, especially when there are some similarities of this magnitude. It's a kitchen and flooring design center Wednesday on the Frangie show. Make your home dreams come true with the kitchen and flooring design center. Welcome back to the Frangie show live here at Island wing company. Having a great time. Those are the comments of Doug Peterson talking about the upcoming chargers game and how good this roster is. Well, Frank, I think we can say Doug Peterson actually knows who Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack are. Maybe as opposed to a previous coach we had who had no idea who Aaron Donald was. Yeah, I agree with you. So, um, so yeah, he is aware. And uh, we, when I think of the Chargers, Hayes, when you think of Heritage, what names, what Chargers names come to mind to you and in what order? When I was a kid, Fouts was at the end of his run. So the Chargers, to me, have always been the team that in a big game will score 38 points and lose the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just who the Chargers yes. have been to me in my lifetime. So – uh, you know, Fouts, certainly high scoring, wouldn't fun Fouts, to watch. Wouldn't Fouts, no matter what area you're in, wouldn't Fouts be the first Charger name to come to mind? Even old guys, young guys? I think so. I mean, obviously, you know, Phillip Rivers was there for a long time, did a great job. LaDainian Tomlinson's one of the most electric players we've had in this league uh, since, you know, 2000. 
So, I mean, they've Antonio Gates, one of the best tight ends to ever do it. Uh, they've had some great offensive talent. Now they've got some, some elite defensive talent as well. But I think you think of Fouts and Kellen Winslow. Who do you think of when you hear, when you hear Chargers? I think of LT. You think of LT? Okay. And, and certainly he was a great player. And Phillip Rivers was a very good player. But I think you hit it. They're not, they're, they went to one Super Bowl in 94 and then got spanked. That was when the, the, it was 49-26, but it was never that close. They got really spanked by the uh, – Steve Young threw six touchdowns in that game. Yeah, yes, by the 49ers. Um, if you look at their history, their recent history, uh, they won a playoff game in 2018. They won a playoff game in 2013. They won a playoff game in 2008. That's about it. I mean, did you realize – I mean, I mean, other than – With good talent. Yeah. They've never had a plunge. You know, they've always done a good job. They went from Drew Brees to Phillip Rivers. I mean, right. you know, they, but they just have never been able to have – they have no clutch gene in that franchise. Yeah. I, by, my, by my count, they've won – they got to the AFC Championship game in 07, okay, and lost to the Patriots in 07. Since then, I've got them for three playoff wins since 07. Uh, and, and they've never gone – and they've never had – and never two in the same year. Since that 07, and then before that 07 team, they hadn't won a playoff game since 94 when they lost to the Super Bowl. So they just, they really, half the time people don't know what city they're in. You Neither know? do they. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I mean, think about it. I mean, it's, and I, they're a cool looking franchise. Like old, old, old timers remember John Hadle and Lance Allworth. I mean, I barely remember them. I think younger people would remember Fouts. The, the, the best era of Charger football ever. Was Fouts and John Jefferson and that group that that right that that's the Kellen Winslow, that senior that's the best that's the best era I would say of 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 Charger football ever, which was in realistically eighty, I mean one one two three, four that's four years in a row they at least went to the playoffs. I don't think there's ever been anything like that for the Chargers since. No. I mean, again, Phillip Rivers, very consistent player. will have a strong case for Hall of Fame consideration. Uh, so they've, they've been consistent, but they just haven't ever been able to win the real big game. They've had some moments in the playoffs. I remember Phillip Rivers, I want to say, tore his ACL and still beat Peyton Manning in the Colts, and, and I think that was a six over a one. Or something like that. Or I mean, it was an unbelievably big upset uh, at the time. But they didn't follow it up. They didn't win the next week. And uh, they, they just have never been able to uh, sustain anything, considering they've had – I mean, if, if you've had Dan Fouts, Drew Brees, and Phillip Rivers, and Justin Herbert now for a few years, and you've got really nothing of consequence to show for it, you're an underachiever. Right. End of story. You're an underachiever. They've had years. What wasn't Schottenheimer the coach there when they went like fourteen and two, lost their first playoff game, and they fired him? Yeah, that's right. I think I think that was, it was. When he coached it was the him. Chargers, it, when he was, it was yeah. him. Not that's not Cleveland. He was there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. that's exactly that's right. That's all you need to know about the Chargers. Yeah, the, and that, that's who. I they, certainly that. hope they don't have any clutch genes on Saturday night. No, I don't think they will. I mean, I, I think that I think it's a game that comes right down to the end because that's the Chargers, but I think. Either they're going to need a score or they're going to need a stop, right. and I don't think they're going to get it. I think the Jaguars are – I think it's going to be incredibly close, right. incredibly entertaining, but I, I think it's going to be like Jaguars 38, Chargers 37. Marty Schottenheimer's last year there, 
in 2006. They were 14-2, and lost in the playoffs. Uh, LaDainian Tomlinson was player of the year, MVP and offensive player of the year. They were 14-2, and lost 24-21 in the playoffs, and he got fired. How about that? That's yeah. tough sledding, isn't it? That's tough. That's insane. But like we talked about, as you mentioned, Brandon Staley may have a 10-7 and season and still get fired. Yeah. By the way, Daniel Popper today tweeted that Mike Williams with the back injury was not on the practice field again. So I'm going to hope he, that he's got right. back issues and he's not able to play. By the way, the other two, the two years before that with Schottenheimer, he was 12-4 and four in 04, dropped to 9-7 and seven in 05, 14-2 and, and got fired. That's pretty bizarre. That's I, had not, I did not remember that. So you guys yeah. just said that. I, I did not. So they've not been a and – and, and by the way, I, I do this heritage thing a lot when the Jags are playing a team. Make no mistake about this. Heritage matters. When you're a struggling franchise like the Jaguars have been, you have to overcome that heritage, that negative heritage. You do. Because the, oh, we're going to lose again, can permeate through your fan base. It can permeate through your locker room. And you have to overcome that. that, that, that that's a real thing. To your point about the Chargers, the fact that the Chargers have never finished a deal matters because that's the conversation. They're they, they're out and about. They see fans. They go to restaurants. So so and all they're that hearing all week is you guys aren't going to lose to the Jaguars, are you? Right. I mean, you can't possibly. That's that's lose all again. All they're going to hear yeah. all week. Yeah, and let and let me rephrase something. I restate something I said a minute ago or earlier. I think I said it yesterday's program. The Jaguars won up there thirty-eight to ten. Now. This is an entirely different makeup. Herbert had the ribs. Mike Williams didn't play. Keenan Allen didn't play. Uh, Bosa got hurt in the game. Mike Williams played, but not. But they well, didn't. He, he well, caught you, a touchdown. You're, but, yeah, I but think he, about it. Yeah. Mike Williams did play. I, I keep saying Mike Williams. He did play. Keenan Allen didn't play. Correct. Uh, Herbert was injured. Um, so Bosa got injured in the game. So people say it's a different, different game, different team. Okay, I'll buy some of that. But make no mistake about it. This team knows they beat that team 38 to 10. So there is a level of confidence that helps the cause. Jacksonville isn't good enough to be overconfident against anybody because, to your point, everybody thinks they're going to lose because everybody always thinks the Jags are going to lose, right? But I'm just telling you, I th- there is some significance to the fact that this young team is playing a team it knows it can play with and rolled earlier in the year. Yeah, and, and I agree that you can't look back at week three and take much out of it, but you can take things out of it that ended up being consistent for the Chargers. And a consistent for the Chargers throughout the season was they were awful against the run. Uh, they finished 28th in the league uh, against the run. They gave up 2,478 yards on the ground, a 5.4-yard average, and 17 touchdowns on the ground. And you go back to week three, James Robinson, 17 carries for 100 yards, 5.9-yard average, touchdown, had the big 50-yarder. Uh, and, we, you know, obviously he's – He's a good player, but he's obviously not an exceptional player because the Jets basically traded for him and they never used him. Uh, ETN had 13 carries for 45 yards in that game, but he was still finding his way. He's a much better player now than he was in his third game as a pro. So that is something that I think you can take out of week three. The Jaguars were able to run the ball against the Chargers in the first meeting in their house. Stands to reason they're going to be able to do it Saturday night at TIA Bank Field, assuming Doug Peterson wants to emphasize it. Yeah, absolutely, and I think those are really good points. Look, I think, yes, you watch some film from Week 3. That's what Mike Caldwell said today, the defensive coordinator. But I think certainly they're going to watch much more film of the last few weeks, maybe not even as much against the Broncos since that game didn't matter as much. But I think this Jaguars team, 
the good part about watching that week three film is they do gain, regain kind of that confidence because, look, the offense right now I think is, is while they've had a good week of practice, as Press Taylor said, they still, I think, are a little shaky coming off of their performance. But let me tell you what I think about the offense. Uh, think about this for a second. You played the Jets. You knew they weren't going to score a lot of points. It was a rainy night. You get a little bit of a lead, you're okay. week later, you play the Texans. You know they're not going to score a lot of points. You know you don't need to score a lot of points. You get a little bit of a lead. Now, they wound up scoring some. But you know there's not a sense of urgency to score against the Jets. There wasn't a sense of urgency to score against the Texans. And then you play the Titans at home, who were very one-dimensional on offense, and you got a hunch they're not going to score a lot of points. So the, fa- the, the reality is the Jets scored three, the Texans scored three, the Titans scored 16, and all of those teams were teams you knew probably weren't scoring a lot. So you can be complacent on offense. Not on purpose. You don't, you don't say, let's be complacent. But it, it can set in. There's not this sense of urgency that you have when you're playing the Chiefs. There's not this sense of urgency. You, every, every possession counts. Every moment counts. Every three and out is, is a dagger. You don't feel that way when you play those three teams. Well, guess what? This game, that game has come back now. This now is a game that there is a sense of urgency. Because you're not playing the Jets, who you know is not going to score very much on a rainy night. You're not playing the Texans, who just aren't very good and aren't going to score very much. You're not playing the Titans, who lost their quarterback. So they're, all they can do is give it to Derrick Henry. Those teams are gone. You're playing a team with a high-flying quarterback and really good receivers. And so now that sense of urgency will come back. Again, you never wanted it to go away, Hayes, but sometimes it does. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a, a really huge challenge for the Jaguars' defense. A challenge – Frankly, I think they're going to lose. It's just a question of will the Chargers defense do as well a job or, or, or as little of a job as I think the Jaguars defense will do. And that's not to criticize the Jaguar defense. They're the reason there's a game Saturday night. The defense and the special teams are why the season is still going. If it was up to the offense, they'd be playing golf today because the season would be over. The Titans would have won the other night. So uh, – so, the defense deserves all the credit in the world. But you're exactly right. This isn't Zach Wilson or Davis Mills or Joshua Dobbs. This is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, and, and that's with, not lost with, on them. With, oh, yeah, with a tremendous amount of weaponry. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I think it's going to be an incredibly entertaining game. I'm surprised the over-under is where it is. It's like 47 and a half. I think it goes well north of that. I think both teams are in the 30s. And uh, I think it's going to be an outstanding game. But I, I, I have little confidence the Jaguars are going to slow down the Chargers very much. But I have immense confidence that the Jaguar offense is going to just have their way so, with the Chargers defense so for 68-35. I think game. that's where we're headed, yeah. By the way, the Jaguars score marginally more than the Chargers do per game. Points per game for the Jaguars this season, 23.8. Points for the Chargers, 23. It feels like the Chargers score more than the Jaguars do per game because that's what, just what we're kind of trained to think is the Chargers and that West Coast offense, and the Jaguars are a team that the last few weeks haven't been playing that well offensively. But as the season overall, as the season went, the Jaguars actually scored more points per game. But the, re- but the, the numbers you just read out, what really jumps out is not who's ahead but how similar they are. Mm-hmm. They're very the quarterbacks are similar. We talked about the similarity in the quarterback numbers yesterday. Well, now the, quarter, the, the similarity in the offensive numbers. Look. Yeah, good night, no rain, not a lot of wind. Yeah, you got a hunch um, both, team, both teams in the 30s. I, I'd be a little bit surprised if they're not now. That's also the kind of game 
that because every possession matters, that the team that makes the mistake loses that game. You know, you can overcome a mistake when you're playing a low-scoring team. Uh, the team, either way now, the team that makes a mistake could lose that game. Let's throw the pitch out. Any any pitches this season? No pitches? Pitch-free? Pitch should, should be a pitch-free pitch free. game yeah. plan? I, I think nah. Trevor's been off-pitch all season. I'll say it like that. Off-pitch. So, off pitch. Yeah, no off pitches. Pitch. No pitches. Brooke please. says no pitches, Carlin. Your thoughts, please. Uh, I'm totally fine <laughs> with uh, pitch no free. pitches. Pitch-free football? Uh, if, if Tommy <laughs> Frazier shows up in a Jaguars uniform, <laughs> then feel free to pitch it. But, right, right. Uh, well, but because yeah, Tommy I, doesn't need to because he'll run over. He may come to the bar and run over you before he even gets out of the stadium. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with – look, I'm, don't abandon the trick play. That's sure. what makes you a great coach if you're Doug yeah. Peterson. I'm not saying that because uh, th- there's and, – and, look, he's going to need to be aggressive. Both these coaches are. If it's fourth and three or less, you're not going to see the punter come out unless these guys are backed up inside their 40. Uh, but if, if once they get beyond their own 40, you're defending four downs. Uh, that's the mindset that you're going to have to have. And, uh, yeah, if you're Doug Peterson, I don't think you have to gimmick this a lot. Uh, because I think you're going to have ETN on the ground whenever you want him. I think Trevor's going to play well. But, you know, that's part of Doug Peterson's DNA. So I'm fine with the gadget play, but I don't particularly want to see Trevor having to make any kind of pitch. Let's do like a, you know, maybe a double pass. Or, yeah, you know, yeah I'm just, talking about the so flea flicker. Let's, 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 let's just put Jamal Agnew in he, a wildcat and let him find a hole and just take it to the house. I think what Carl I saying is he's coming with you on pitch-free football. Yes. I think everyone probably is at this point after watching it. By the way, Jaguars, we all know this, best fourth down defense in the league. Chargers were tied for sixth, tied with the Bears and San Francisco. We'll take a break. When we come back, let's get into a little bit of hoops. That's next. Stay with us. Well, gentlemen, for everybody who had written off the Florida basketball team, and I can understand why some people did, Last night went into Baton Rouge and defeated LSU 67-56. to LSU had started off the season pretty good, did just lose to Texas A&M. That's what gave me confidence. But, Frank, it feels like all of a sudden Colin Castleton's kind of gathering this team back around him, and he wasn't necessarily great from the floor, but great from free throw. Yeah, I'll say this about them. I don't think they're very good. I'm not sure Texas A&M or LSU are very good, but or Georgia is very good. But beat the teams that aren't necessarily very good either. You know that that's what you do if you're if you're if there's a if there's two lung, rungs of teams. There's one division of really good teams: Alabama and Tennessee, and I guess Kentucky's in it, maybe not. But Alabama, Tennessee, and Arkansas, and Auburn. Well, there's other group teams that beat the rest of them. You know, so uh, here's what he's figured. Here's what I think the Todd Gold has figured out. He's got he doesn't have much at the four spot. And Felder doesn't play at all anymore. Fudge starts the game, and then he plays at the end when you need defense. But he's not a very good player. He's not a particularly good player. So he says he's playing four guards. Do you realize that? He's playing, if you count Kwesi Reeves as a guard, he's 6'6". He's sort of a small forward swing man. But he's playing all guards. And they're playing pretty good defense. I think they figured out they can't shoot it. So, so D him up. And they've become a very good defensive team. Now, again, I don't know. A good test, a good test will be Saturday because – but that guy, Dennis Gates, who was on Leonard Hamilton's staff for all those years, went to Cleveland State, and they were really good, and now he's taking the Missouri job, and they're really good. He's a really good coach. So it'll be a good test. But 9-7, and 2-2, two and two, you know, you win Saturday, and it's a home game, and Missouri's good, but they're not Tennessee or old Kentucky. 10-7, and 3-2, it's not an abomination. You know, I mean, it's, it's not nearly as bad. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sold on them yet. 
but I'm less unsold on them, if that makes sense. The, the thing that I admire about this team and, and Todd Golden is that they were, by his own admission, atrocious in transition defense earlier in the year. And he said, we've got to fix this. I've never had a team be this bad at it. They've totally fixed it. Uh, last night on fast break points, they had a 16-1 to advantage uh, against an athletic team in LSU. Uh, so I like the fact that they were awful at something, they've corrected it, and now we're seeing that. And Golden acknowledged after the game that they've been much better defensively. Uh, they can't shoot it at all. Uh, I can't remember the last time Florida won a road conference game going 5 of 25 from three-point land, but, uh, but they did it. And, uh, and it was a big win. It moved them up nine spots in the net uh, to 59. So they're starting to get kind of in the bubble range. And uh, Missouri's 33rd in the net. So if you are able to get the win Saturday, then, you know, that'll move for Florida up even further. Uh, so they're, they're starting to kind of be able to see the bubble a little bit, uh, which is exciting. And uh, uh the, the two things that stood out to me, uh, you mentioned Castleton. He drew 10 fouls. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's remarkable. In, in addition to the uh, – and I thought his passing, he only had two assists, but his vision I think has gotten a lot better as a passer. And uh, Kugel was, I mean, unbelievable. He was huge. He was plus 21, uh, which was a game high in just 18 minutes and 40 seconds. So if you're Todd Golden, you, you are looking at that number saying, okay, well – if if this if this is somewhat consistent and he played well against Georgia, he definitely needs more time because he had seven point six rebounds. But obviously, good things are happening when he is out there. If you outscored LSU by twenty one points in the eighteen forty that he was in the game, so I was on the air when the game started, but I saw this tweet: Florida and LSU. Every player that started last night. Was, was a transfer. transfer. All yeah. ten I saw it all too. Ten all, players. all ten players were transferred. Now obviously if Kugel gets in the starting lineup, he's not a transfer. Yeah. Wacey, if he gets in the starting lineup, Reeves, he's not a transfer. That's it though. That's it. <laughs> that, that's it. I, I wouldn't put and Reeves I don't know much about LSU. in the starting lineup. What's that? I wouldn't put Reeves back in the starting lineup. Yeah, I, well, I, I just think he seems to me like his yeah, 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 from the start, his head hasn't really been in this season. Right. And he had a terrible turnover uh last night. Yeah. Uh, I to me. I mean, he, and he was terrible shooting the ball. Uh, you know, I, I he's just a guy. Yeah, I, I don't he, know that, he, that he's somebody I would try to get out yeah. there a whole lot. Yeah, he he plays a lot. He probably played a lot of minutes. I mean, I don't know. What, I don't have last night he played twenty one minutes. Yeah. He had eleven points. He was the second leading or yeah. second highest scorer yeah, on the team but last night. But he's erratic. He's, what was he shooting the three? Like one of eight. It felt like he couldn't hit yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah but, that I don't. I don't but have but that they, they, they're not a very good shooting team. They're, they're they're not a very good shooting team. But LSU shot worse. That's yeah. what's cra- from the three yeah. point line. So That's the question crazy. becomes: Is LSU just not good either, or has Florida sort of found themselves defensively? But I uh, and but LSU had two guys on the bench that are hurt. I guess that yeah. are supposed to be able to help them. So right. you and also I, wonder and about and that. I don't know. Myron Jones is playing better. He's playing the best basketball since he's been in Florida. But 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 all those transfers. Yeah, I I think he's played defense. Look, they're better players. Kyle Lofton, um, Richard's Richard. okay. Reeves is, has moments. Um, Castleton's their best player, obviously. Um, that's their best guys. That's their. That, that, those are the best. Jones is, and and I think their seven man rotation will be that. Fudge will be in it. They'll play. Bottom he couldn't a shoot bit. a free throw to save his life last night. I felt bad. It was eighty eight percent coming in. Correct. Yeah. It's, I understand he's returning to where yeah. he started. They were booing yeah. him. I, I get all those factors, but still. But he's just he's he's got wonderful athleticism. He oh, can yeah. run and jump. 
but he's not a great player. Basketball is more than can you run and jump and shoot. It's can you do it in the game. You know, running and jumping and shooting and running and jumping and shooting when the game's going on. It's and like Scotty Lewis. Yeah. Very similar. Who we very thought, he's so athletic. It's the light's going to go on at some point. Very, you know, a, good, a taller Scotty Lewis. He's six nine now. Yeah. So a taller, taller Scotty Lewis. So in the game against Georgia, Frank, I was so frustrated in the first half. It didn't even look like Florida was hustling to loose balls. And they said he. They said the first half. He did, he said they didn't think they hustled. Ever since then, it feels like they have gotten after it, and, and they are starting to hustle more. And so I'm not sure what Todd Golden said to them at that halftime, but it seems to have worked. Yeah, my, my guess is they're an average team. They'll lose to Tennessee. You know, I keep saying Kentucky. Maybe Kentucky's no good. I know but Kentucky actually, lost to South Carolina They're last actually night. a game up on Kentucky in yeah. the SEC standings You don't see that right very now. often, do you? Yeah, Florida's 2-2. Two and two, Kentucky's 1-3. and three. And any time that Florida's a game up on Kentucky in the SEC standings, I'm prohibited from complaining about the basketball team. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I think they're probably an average team. I still don't think they're going to get to 500. I said all along in the league. I think it's going to be one of the few times they're not 500 in the league. We'll see. They're 2-2 But see, like, Missouri doesn't scare me. I know they're ranked 20th. I just, they don't scare me. That's, and the reason they don't is because they're called Missouri. You know, that, that's because our history tells us Missouri is just okay. That, that history tells us. If it was a if it was Kentucky coming in with the same record and the same ranking, we'd be concerned more. That's just how like it Arkansas, is. Arkansas, Alabama, they scare me. Yeah. Missouri yeah. doesn't. I, I am intrigued to to see the crowd Saturday because yeah, I'm not going, so this is not a. I'm not <laughs> trying to you know disparage. Gator you have to fans, work, but uh, true. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I think and and even if I was off, I wouldn't be going. <laughs> but um, I, I'm curious because I'm I don't feel like there's a lot of excitement. Now, they did just beat Georgia and beat LSU. But there doesn't seem to so be a lot of juice. I'm curious to yeah. see, is it a bad, Does it? do yeah. you feel any energy watching it on TV yeah. uh, that the crowd is into it, or will it be kind of, well, nah, this guy's going to have to show us something well, before. In the, I'll tell you how it works in the South. The South, there is, particularly at Florida, but I think FSU, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, okay. in the South, there is built-in energy for football until you lose it. FSU lost that energy until this year. It was built in, and they lost the built-in energy by being bad. Okay? Got some of it back. Florida had built-in energy when the season started, lost some of it by not being good down the stretch. Basketball is the opposite. There's no energy. Now, you can gain it if you're good. So that's the opposite. In basketball around the South, if all of a sudden Georgia's basketball team and nobody cares about, you looked up one and they were 14-1 one year and 5-0 and in the league, well, they would create it. They would have new energy. But the energy's not there until they earned it. Whereas the football team at Georgia is always going to have energy until they prove they don't deserve it. I think Florida's the same way. It's a great way to put it because yeah. I, I agree. I, I think it's, uh, it's innocent until proven guilty for football in the South. It's guilty until proven innocent for basketball. 100%. That's 100% right. And so, so if you start winning a little bit, then people start coming up. People start showing up. People start showing up. So we'll see if that happens. Meanwhile, Florida State, I'll give you credit. You thought they'd bounce back. They started 1-9. Which is inexplicable. Uh, Leonard Hamilton team starting one and nine after they've been so good lately. I'll give them credit. Now you kind of thought this may happen. They are four and two in their last six. In fairness to them, the two losses before they went on that run were Purdue and Virginia top five teams. So you lost to two pop top five teams. Then you've since won four out of six. Of your four out of six, one of the losses is at Duke. So so four out of five if you don't count the at Duke. They've played better. They go to Wake Forest tonight. Then they come home to and play. And Baba Miller joins them tonight. And Baba Miller finally gets to play. Then they come home against Virginia. Then they go to Notre Dame, uh, who they've already beaten, by the way. So um, 
We'll see. So it looks like FSU, which finds itself most of the time these days in basketball season, tends to be finding itself. It'll be interesting to see what happens with their net, which right now is 222nd. So, obviously, they're not even remotely – I mean, it, at that point, you've got to win the conference tournament to, to right. get in. But I am curious. They're probably – they probably have dug too big of a hole to get an at-large berth. Uh, they're probably going to have to win the ACC tournament at, even as it stands now. But I am curious to see if that number goes from 222 today to 72 by the time we get to Selection Sunday. That would not be enough to get them in but it would signal a dramatic improvement in the second half of the season. Take a break. Let's talk some college football when we come back. Stay with us. Mark Schlebaugh from the Entertainment and Sports Programming Network has um, a top 25 away too early. Have you seen it? I have. Okay. Here, this is, Everyone's got one of those, by the way. Yeah. My neighbor Walt just put his out, okay? Where did Walt have the Gators? Walt, Walt, Walt had the Gators 39th, <laughs> I think. So, so but everyone in the brother. That's brothers, high. Everyone yeah. Brothers, yeah. Probably <laughs> likes them. Yeah. Every other brother's got one of these. So here we go. Mark Schlebaugh, Georgia one, where everybody will have them. If they're not one, you're not doing it right. I agreed. Ohio State two, although I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Um, Michigan three, and because I do know who their quarterback's going to be. We're just not sure who their coach is going to be. Right. Florida State four. Mark Schlebaugh has Florida State fourth to start the season next year. Yeah, I mean, you knew they were going to be the in vogue choice, uh, and you know, and and it's deserving. I mean, I, I that's too high for me. Uh, I I think USC. I'd, I'd have some teams above them there, but again, like Alabama, you know, sports writers like to be bold and and go out on a limb, and so you know, it's like, hey, they they're probably eighth or ninth, but to put them fourth, you know, that that's going to generate. Uh, a lot of buzz, which, you know, I'm not saying that that's exactly what Schleybaugh's doing here, but I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I, I, FSU did lose three straight games this past season. Now they bring everybody back for the most part, and they've done well in the portal. Um, I, you know, I, and, I, and I do think that they've got a chance to, you know, go 10-2, and 11-1. Maybe they run the table. Um, but uh, but it, that seems – that seems a little bullish on Florida State for me, although it's not, not incredibly over the top. I, I think Florida State should probably be somewhere between 7, 8, or 9. Here's what happens with the way too earlies. They go off of what they know about the team as of right now. They're not doing a ton of research on what's going to happen in 2023. And so right now, Florida State has so many names, obviously returning quarterback, but also so many names that these – sports writers know about and so yeah they believe especially with the added talent from the transfer portal that they are going to be a, a top eight team and some people as high as four certainly with Schleybaugh most people around five or six yeah but that's all you really can do is go on that so if you're going to do one of these uh so FSU four Alabama five I think yeah that's I mean I mean give me a break you're going to put Florida State above Alabama I mean to, to me if, if you sat Mark Schleybaugh in a chair and said, your life depends upon this pick. <laughs> right. Do you, are you taking FSU to finish above Alabama? Same. I'd be interested in knowing if – and, again, it's just a list. Right. Right. But to me, that's – I mean, that that's, couldn't be more preposterous. Alabama doesn't lose to Wake Forest. Penn, Florida State did last year. Uh, I'm with you. Penn State 6, USC 7, who I thought would be higher on everybody's list. I, I thought USC would be top three because of, because of the returning USC should be. LSU 8, Oregon 9, Tennessee 10. So if you're the Gators, 
Here's what you got in this list. Georgia 1, Knowles 4, Alabama 5. Well, they don't play Bama. I know. But LSU 8 and Tennessee Tennessee 10. 10, They play 4 of them. Yeah, and Utah's like 13th. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't even got there yet. And you're going (laughs) to Utah. With a quarterback returning. Correct. Utah Rising coming back. And then Notre Dame 14, Clemson 16. I tell you what, though, it's a uh, uh, Ole Miss. By the way, he's got twentieth here. Uh, North Carolina twenty-one. Where does he have James Madison? Twenty-four. Uh, Twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> UTSA twenty-second. So, uh, so it's interesting to see. But, I'll, but I will say the storyline for around here: no Miami, no Florida, anywhere to be seen. And, and they shouldn't be. No, yeah, neither, yeah, no, neither one. Neither yeah. one should be there. But no, no, no. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not criticizing his list. Sure. I'm telling you. Where the world is now yeah. is no Miami. Right, anybody's list. But my, ours wouldn't have it there either. James Madison would be a four-point favorite in the swamp, <laughs> right. apparently. So, no Miami, no Florida, and the Knowles fourth. If you think about where we were last June, when it, I, I'll, I'll still go back to this. We had a poll of best coaches in, best coach in the state. And people had, and I, and I, Napier won, won easily because we're in a Florida area. Cristobal. And clearly, everybody had Norvell behind both of them, even though neither one of them had ever coached a game here. Norvell, the forgotten guy, the forgotten team, and who knows how long it holds, fourth in the nation in a preseason poll, in a way-too-early poll, that comes from one of the most respected writers around. It's still a pretty amazing story. Now, having said all that, I still believe that Florida's got the right guy in Billy Napier. I haven't wavered at all. You've wavered a little, haven't you? I've wavered, I haven't wavered on that at all. I've wavered a little because I, I don't know that he is equipped to handle all that you have to handle uh, in terms of building your roster. And, you know, it's, it's been better. You know, they got a quality offensive lineman from Baylor out of the portal. Uh, so in the portal now they've gotten two defensive tackles, which they had to have, two linebackers had to have, and they've gotten an offensive lineman, and then they took a – total flyer on a bad quarterback from Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, I, I hope the Mertzes haven't moved yeah, to Florida yeah. yet. Well, I, I mean, look, I mean, I'll I, apologize I, I, if he, you know, <laughs> he, go and throw four touchdowns and beat Utah in the opener. I'll be the first one to say I was wrong. He's a guy I think to be better than everyone thinks. He's the linebackers. I got no idea. The linemen. Well, they can't the linebackers be are from Michigan and yeah. Ohio State. They, right, I, they didn't play, but didn't, neither one of them played. Yeah. So, so, but at they, least they were recruited there. Yeah. I, uh, I, at I'm, least they're actually – Linebackers and not safeties <laughs> yeah. that have just been put at linebacker. Right, right. Well, also that's that's. A good point. I have no idea. Here's what I'll tell you about the guys that are coming in. <laughs> I think the guard's good because he's supposed to be the best guard. PFF had him as the best guard in the country last year, other than Torrance. You know, so I bet the, I bet the guard's good. The two line, two defensive linemen are big guys. We'll see. The two. I, mean, I guess they help a lot. The linebackers, I got no idea. I'll bet the quarterback's better than people. We'll see. We'll see. I'll bet the quarterback is as effective as the quarterback was this year for him. Oh, I'll, I'll bet. that makes me feel better. Well, I mean, he's going. He's, he's going to the top fifteen of the draft. Yeah, but not because yeah, yeah. of his college yeah, production. Yeah, so, but I'll, but I'll. Well, no. If if you're waiting on them just to get Danny Werfel, I don't think he's coming. Okay, if, I don't think he's Werfel. I'll bet you he's better than people think. I'll bet you he's better than people think. I certainly hope so. I haven't wavered on Billy Napier, but I will say I'm not as confident in his play calling as I was going in. That's the one area he couldn't control how bad the roster was that he inherited. He could control what he got out of the transfer portal. He, he didn't do as well as I thought he could have there. 
But the play calling is the one area that I, I expected to be really good, and, and at times I was and, – and clock management, and at times yeah. I was disappointed. I was underwhelmed by the game management and the play calling. I agree with you. The game management is what it is. The play calling, I'm willing to watch. Let me watch him with the quarterback that he handpicked. Say what you want about Graham Murray. Billy picked him. Billy, Billy, Billy picked him. We know for a fact there's other guys just around that they had no interest in that they could have brought in. They could have at least talked to about coming in. So we know for a fact that they brought that they he he handpicked the guy. And there may have been other guys they were interested in that ended up staying at their schools. And there's you cannot fault Billy Napier yeah. and the staff for that. Right, but correct. Well, yeah, I think the Tulane guy. I think I, I can tell you for a fact that they really liked the Tulane guy, Michael Pratt, and he didn't want to leave. And, I, and I, you got to applaud him for not wanting to leave. They also may have liked Cam Rising from yeah. Utah. Yeah, yeah. And the rumor was they had some interest in him. I don't know. I can confirm that they had interest in Michael Pratt. That, that, he, that he's the guy that really – there was rumor they liked Hartman. There was rumor they liked Rising. Who wouldn't like Hartman? But I can confirm that they liked Pratt, okay? And I can confirm that they liked and wanted Pratt. And and he decided at the end of the day he wasn't leaving the school that he was loyal to, which is kind of cool. Yeah, uh, absolutely. At the end of the day. So, But, again, with Miles Hayden and with Mertz, the, they wanted him for a reason. And, again, I'll go back and say the same thing I said. He was 19 touchdowns and 10 picks last year in a horrendously bad offense. If the offense was reasonably good and those numbers were three different, if it was 22 and 7, we wouldn't hate it, right? It's, it was 19 and 10, which, by the way, was the best, best touchdown-interception ratio a Paul Chris Wisconsin quarterback ever had, just about. So, so we'll see. Are we nearing lobotomy territory? Uh, what does that mean? A few years ago, when it came to the Gators, Frank, you thought Hayes needed a lobotomy. Well, I always think that. But I mean, <laughs> the, 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 oh, the Emory Jones. Yeah, the Emory yeah, Jones. What happened? That, what did we say? It was, what was it, Emory Jones-Trask? I think. Was it that Emory Jones might push Kyle Trask? That's what it was. You said Emory Jones might beat out Kyle Trask. Well, you said I, he needed a lobotomy. Again, yeah. as <laughs> we said. And he was right. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I, I've since called, I didn't tell yeah. you this, but I've since called the neurologist, yeah. okay? So, uh, yeah, that's right. It was Emory Jones is going to, in fairness to Hayes, he's not alone in that one. But there was not a chance. There was no. I forgot about that. Thank you for bringing it back up. The, I, 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 there was no. Well, this chance. kind of feels like we're heading towards the well, bottom territory. Well, I'm guessing on this one. Yeah. But I did. But, but I, it was so fun that yeah. I wanted to bring it up. <laughs> Emory, Emory, <laughs> but I will say this: not just Hayes. It was, it was. It was. I call it message board mania. You got on those Gator message boards. They all thought Emory Jones was going. They were disappointed. Trask came in at Kentucky. Instead of Emory Jones, right. remember that everyone thought everyone thought Emory was going to come in and, and wound up being trashed. So no, they, Emory was never beaten out trashed. But I will say this: on I, look, I don't know the guy's any good or not. I just I've just thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. It is a fact that he played for a coach who's who had the, he had the, who had never had any good quarterback numbers for seven seven. He had four different guys in eight years or seven years, and they all played the same I formation, handed off to the tailback, who were good by the way. The tailbacks were Jonathan Taylor and Melvin Gordon and. Does it matter who else the other two were? You know, I mean, no. I mean, I mean, they were really good tailbacks. You know, so, so I mean, so I mean, I get it. Really good defense. Really good running. So they back. had an outstanding tailback and gave him the ball. Yeah, <laughs> they did. <laughs> they did. That's the, well, kept giving him the ball. Yeah. And here's the problem: this year they didn't have an outstanding tailback and still gave him the ball. Right. So, so there's that. So, so we'll see. But I am, I'm, I'm intrigued by the season. And look, I'm, a, I'm a Florida grad, which means I have to root against FSU and I have to root against Georgia. And find myself rooting against LSU and obviously Tennessee, but it is interesting that these that these four programs, that, quite frankly, have had some real low t- LSU not as much, 
But Tennessee, FSU, and Georgia up until five years ago had some real tough go of it, you know. I mean, you think about it. I mean, they, they've had a real, real tough go of it, and all of a sudden they've all resuscitated, which means anybody can resuscitate. You know, they're, they're good blue blood programs with good resources. They look like they've all found the right coach. But Tennessee and Florida State and Georgia, Tennessee and Florida State particularly, they were dead. They were dead. The programs were dead. And they found what looks to be the right coach. We'll see. They both just got there. They're both young. One's three years, one's two. But that's how fast it can happen when you get the right guy. I guess that's the point of the, that's the, point of the segment is if you get the right guy, it can happen pretty quickly. And if you don't have the right guy, especially back-to-back, it's a long time to turn it around. Yeah, and, the, and let me tell you what we learned from, from Dan Mullen. The right guy means a lot more than just are you a good game day coach. Because I still contend, despite the, the Damian Pierce, which I still can't figure out, he was pretty, he's proved he was a pretty good game day coach at both places. He also proved he wasn't a great program builder at either place. It's harder at Mississippi State, obviously. But he proved, he proved it once and didn't prove it the other time. So I think there was, you kind of go back and forth on that. But for me, it, the, proof, the proof in the pudding is that, that if you have the right guy, you can turn it around pretty quickly. They found the right guy, and they turned it around pretty quickly. It, I mean, FSU and Tennessee, does Tennessee hold? Does this hold? It'll hold with them being, like, ranked. I, I don't think Josh Heupel's all of a sudden going to be a 6-6, six 7-5 six, coach, but I don't think it holds with them being a, a SEC and national title contender. Will they win an SEC? No. What, what about you? I don't think so. And part of that is the in extreme resistance, right? Correct. I mean, the extreme resistance. I mean, they did beat yeah. Alabama. If Tennessee was in the ACC or the Big 12, we'd be having a different conversation. Yeah, oh, they dominated. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But, th- but they did beat Alabama. And, um, and For the first time since 2006. Yeah, yeah, pretty amazing stuff. So what about FSU? Does it hold at FSU? Yeah, because the resistance isn't very strong. Clemson's the only really quality program in there. Uh, and we'll see. I, I think too much is being made of, of Clemson's regressing. I don't, yeah. I don't think – I still think they're a very good program, and – they're going to have a massive chip on their shoulder because they're going to hear this FSU is the best team in the ACC all year. Right. FSU's got to go to Clemson. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I've, I'm not ready to say that Clemson is going to relinquish the ACC that they've dominated for many years now uh, over to FSU. Uh, so, I, you know, I, to me, that's it's as close as it's been, obviously. But I, I think Clemson is, is, is still – very much a contender in the ACC. But other than that, everybody else, I think, is completely mediocre. I mean, yeah. North Carolina I, has a, a great quarterback, not much else. I agree. Uh, my, I mean, Miami's going to have to yeah. show something. Yeah. I always what's, get what's, disappointed in Miami because in the preseason, I always think, I look at the schedule, and I'm like, yep. hey, they could go 9-3. and three. They could go 10-2. and two. And then they, like, are abysmal. What's your gut so, on Miami coming up? What's your gut, what, what's your gut on this regime? That he'll not be the guy. Even though – because he had a great recruiting year. Now, here's one thing we do know. If you stack up enough of those recruiting years, then you do win. I mean, we, we, that, that's been proof. The key, though, now is you got to hold these guys. Correct. Like, you can you get them, them on your campus. Right. right. But can you hold them for three years and, you know, till they go be first-round picks? You know, they, a lot of these guys might arrive. This is for any program, not sure. just Miami. But a lot of these guys might be there a year and kind of be disappointed because, you know, maybe they signed there for reasons that were outside of – the team and 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 be like I'm out of here. So you have to the you've never had to retain your classes 
Now you have to. Now that's a big component of winning in college football. It's not just signing the class. It's retaining the class. And all these programs are going to have to prove they can do it. So until Miami shows that they can retain the great players they recruit, then it's hard to buy into them. Yeah, right now the elite programs can easily retain their guys. You don't see right. people leaving Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State for the most part. Unless they're backups. And, well, and, correct. And, and that's, my, that's what I mean. Start, you're not going to see starters correct. leave those programs. Correct. No good, good players don't leave those. The only time a good player leaves a, a great program is go to the NFL. A starter. So yep. we'll take a break. More in a moment. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Teal and white. How do you feel about it's not? By far my favorite uniform. Okay. I was just going to say more in the superstitious realm. Nah. How do you feel about it not being all teal again? Well, they've won five in a row. But they haven't all, all teal. That teal, is true. Teal and white's my favorite. But Bob, I, you, you don't really care about uniforms still? Yeah, but I'd go with teal and white. That's my favorite uniform. Yeah. Number one is how they started the franchise. The franchise started in. Black helmets, teal jerseys, white pants. If it was me, I would go. I would wear. Te- I, I love white pants. How do you feel? Do you care? I do care. Uh, I would have preferred either all teal or teal and white for sure. Okay. I, I mean, uh, yeah, teal's their color. Yeah. I mean, the black. The black is now the alternate color. I'd go teal, I, teal and white with those white socks. I think it's a sweet look. I mean, that's my favorite look. So, I'm trying to energize. I'm trying to make you a uniform guy. Yeah, that it won't is, happen. It, it's just been I very hard. It. It's been fun. I, here's what it's I don't, been I, how many years now? I, I know a lot of the fan, I know a lot of the fans like the teal and black. I don't like black pants, and I really don't like black pants with another solid color. I shirt. don't like that either. I, I mean, white and black I can live with on the road, but I really, I love the white. I love the teal and white. That's a clean. Mm. It's, it's clean and fresh, Carline. It's clean and fresh is what the look will be. Like a daisy. Like a daisy. <laughs> this could be a really nice uniform matchup. The Chargers always have good uniforms too. Yeah, I love their uniform. I wonder, wonder what they're going to wear. It's the best thing about their franchise. Yes. <laughs> right. You know, during the Philip Rivers year, they always wore the white pants. They didn't have the gold pants. They had the navy. Remember that they, they went to the navy, and now they're back to the Columbia blue. So, uh, yeah. We found, we'll Columbia see. blue. Yeah. Look at you. Listen, I'm versatile, okay? <laughs> what do you think you're getting around here, okay? Columbia blue, okay? Like, I didn't know that. I'm Broke. scrolling through the Chargers Twitter account I'm just to predi- see if they've I'm said a, anything I about predict, the uniforms. I, I don't predict see white anything. helmets. White jerseys, gold pants. Okay. That's my prediction. White, white, and gold. That's my prediction, okay? Let me know when you find that out. Yeah, I'm not sure if they've they been may not, as they may not cool reveal. as the not Jaguars' equipment. Not everybody reveals. Stuff has yeah. been, yeah. All right, six games this weekend, Carlion. Any, uh, where, are the upset, uh, where are the upset possibilities? I mean, a lot, I got to tell you, a lot of these games are going to be. Do the Jags count as an underdog? Let's, take the, let's, let's look at the other five games for now. Okay. What's your, what, what, I mean, I, I don't. Um, the Bills are going to destroy the Dolphins. I think the Bengals are going to destroy the Ravens if they don't have Lamar, which it doesn't look like they're going to. Even yeah. with Lamar, you got to like Cincinnati, I think, a lot in that yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you just I don't know how effective well, Lamar will be well, coming well, off a month layoff. Any, yeah. Even if he was 100%, I don't think the Ravens would get a lot of support. Yeah, if Anthony Brown goes, oh, which means Hundley can't play either. Yeah, then it, then I mean, the Ravens are still good defensively, but then it's got 27-6 written Absolutely. all over it. The, uh, um, what are the games? What, 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 give me some expectations. Uh, I think the Giants games. could go in and beat the Vikings. Uh, you know, that's one that you know I probably would, should have beaten. They I, lost on a six-year yeah, or whatever yard field goal I'd, last time. I'd keep an eye on that one. Um, I don't think Seattle can beat San Fran. Um, I, well, Dallas is the favorite, so they're the road favorite in Tampa Bay. A I little be, surprising. I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay beat Dallas. Me I mean, there's so much pressure on the Cowboys to you know do something in this tournament. 
Tom Brady. That's a fun just, little Monday nighter, actually. Oh, it's a great game. Yeah, yeah. it's in from a storylines. It made the game itself may not be great, right. but from a storyline standpoint, it's got pretty much everything you could ask for. Yeah, the Chargers Jags is the best game, but the four or five game is supposed to be a good game. Right, and the four or five game is supposed to be a pretty good game. Uh, the 49ers, I tell you, I don't think the Seahawks can win that game, but I am intrigued with it. I, I think. Uh, what do you, I think they hang around. Well, this There's again, something about the way they play. You know, this is a it's Pete Carroll now has enough film on Brock Purdy to have a very good idea right. of how to defend him. And the Seahawks are obviously very well versed at defending the 49ers scheme, uh, being division rivals. So if there's a Brock Purdy uh-oh game coming, this might be the game. The problem is Seattle's going to have to find ways to score, and San Francisco's defense is playing at such a high level. Geno Smith's been an incredible story all year, but can, can he manufacture 20-something points, which is what it might take? Uh, that's, I have doubts about that. So I, I could see San Francisco winning an ugly game. I'd be surprised if, if Seattle can go in there and get the win. The first time, or sorry, the second time that these two teams played, the first time obviously had Jimmy Garoppolo for the 49ers, but the second time the 49ers and Seahawks played, it was in Seattle. The 49ers had Brock Purdy, and the 49ers won 21-13. So talk about that close, low-scoring type yeah. of game. Uh, that's what they can do with that defense, like you said. As for the Giants-Vikings, yeah, the Giants can go in there and win. That looks like one team that's not quite there yet versus one team that's not as good as the record says they are. Isn't that what it feels like? I think so. And, and again, it's Kirk Cousins is a wild card in the sense of he's, he is productive and, and his numbers are great. But, again, he's a player that in these kind of moments has shrunk more than thrived. And, you know, the Giants have present a lot of issues. I mean, Daniel Jones is, is, is adequate. Saquon Barkley is obviously outstanding. And, uh, again, it, it feels like a game that uh, – that, that to me feels like that's the mistake game. That's the game where one of these two teams is going to play a mistake-riddled game. And so I, I think almost either way, that game's not close. Either the Giants go in there and Cousins is awful and the Giants win a lopsided – and lopsided by 10 or more. Or the Giants are the team that makes a mistake. I'll be surprised if that game – it's close. Whoever wins will win by double digits. You think so? See, the Vikings to me are, like you said, very up and down, but I still think they have enough firepower that the Giants haven't been to this stage yet. The Vikings have. I think, I think the Vikings, I think it's close, but I think the Vikings win. It'll be fun to see which quarterbacks are left standing after the weekend. Okay? Only two aren't playing. Okay? So, I mean, cause there's only one, but there's only one behind every conference. It'll be fun to see what quarterbacks in this in this obvious quarterback league. We know Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts are going to play next week. All right, two good court, two good young quarterbacks. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Josh Allen probably joins them. Joe Burrow probably joins them. So the four teams we're most confident that are, that are the four teams that we're most confident are going to play next week. Two because we know they are. Two because we're confident they are are quarterbacked by Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Jalen Hurts. You realize that? So the four teams were most confident. Would you, I mean, those are the four teams. Those are the four teams, right, you're most confident are going to play. Two because they are, they are going to play. So Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. 
if you ever wanted to know how much quarterback matters, those four you know are going to be playing. Okay. We also know that either Trevor or, Joe or Justin Herbert are playing. Okay. So that's five you know of. Five, five you're, you're, you're pretty confident. That, well, you know Justin Herbert or Trevor, one of those guys is going to be playing. You're going to get either Dak or Brady. Which, yeah, you know. Yeah, correct. It's a good point. Good point. Dak or Brady are going to move on. That game feels like it's going to be 17-16, Cowboys in the lead. Tom Brady comes down and does just enough, yeah. and the Bucks win in the final second. Tom Brady gets the ball back with four <laughs> seconds left at his, yeah. own, his own eight right. and wins the game. I mean, it, it's, it's that break game. break Dallas hearts. Yeah. It's that game. Uh, the only game that's funky with that is you know that either Geno or Brock Purdy are moving right. on. That one doesn't fit. No, that, that, that's, the one, that's the one that been, doesn't fit. been helpful, obviously, but yeah. he didn't get them to where they are. Is there a Gina chance? Smith, absolutely. Is did. there a chance Brock Purdy's really good? I, yeah. I yeah. Mean, it, because it's – I mean, numbers are great. It's more than just a couple of games now. I mean, it's it's a decent amount of of uh, of data, and, and Kyle Shanahan's just really proving to be just such a, a great quarterback-friendly coach that – uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's it's not out of the realm that the 49ers win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, and it leads them to a fascinating offseason of what do you do with Trey Lance? Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo you allow to leave. Uh, do you stick with Brock Purdy and take advantage of the fact that he's the cheapest starting quarterback in the league uh, as a seventh-round rookie contract? Do you go get Tom Brady, who I think would – do cartwheels to San Francisco. Uh, it, the 49ers are really going to be the the pivot point of the offseason for a lot of teams and how they go about their quarterback position. Now, if Brock Purdy fails and they lose to Seattle and he throws three picks, then it's going to be the 49ers are going to go all in on Tom Brady would be my guess and hold you know give Lance another year before they turn it over to him. And I said last year there's no way San Francisco gets rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Most people thought he was absolutely leaving the way that they drafted Trey Lance. I said, there's just no way. They just don't know for sure about Trey Lance. I don't know that, again, they get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Through 11 games, 16 touchdowns, four picks, 2,400 yards, 67% completion percentage. You have that on your roster, and you know how he fits in. All right, okay. He's just not always healthy. Okay, so we talk about the intriguing uh, – Brock Purdy, by the way, last year in college, he completed 72% of his passes. 72. So he's, it's not like he just learned how to play football. He threw 81 touchdowns in college. That's a lot of touchdowns. Okay. Uh, GM Brooks and GM Carline. Season ends. 49ers win the Super Bowl. Win the Super Bowl. Win the, win the Super Bowl. Which they might win the Super Bowl. So that's with Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback that wins the Super Bowl or with Brock Purdy? No, I, I don't think they, they can't pull Purdy now, can they? I think they so will in when your Jimmy hypothetical, G's healthy. In your hypothetical, Purdy wins, Purdy wins the title. Purdy wins the title. Purdy wins the title. Or for that matter, gets him to it. Okay. Okay. Um, everybody's healthy in the off season, or everybody's healthy by next year. Trey Lance, Garoppolo, Purdy. What are you doing? What, are you, what are you doing? I move mountains to get Tom Brady. Okay. Which I say move mountains. You don't even have okay. to move a mountain. Right. You just have to sign him to Fair a free agent contract. You can't get. He doesn't want to come. Uh, he will want to come. But okay. The, um, <laughs> it's a radio show. Okay. For, for the second uh, show. If he can't come, then I would. Uh, I go with Purdy over Lance. Uh, and, and and you wouldn't and, and, and Garoppolo. I'd let Garoppolo – Garoppolo's going to sign like a $25 million yeah. deal somewhere. And he's a free agent. Yeah, I'd let him go. Let him go do his thing. Purdy, your starter, Lance, your backup. Yes. What about you? Yeah, if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play again this postseason, then I could understand riding with Brock Purdy to Lance, but that's a lot of gambling. So I'm still keeping Jimmy G. What but I also think he plays this postseason and that will right. help determine right. things. Brock Purdy beats Seattle 
31 to 10. Okay, and he throws four touchdowns. Um, and Garoppolo's healthy next week against who would they play? Whoever they play. What are you doing? Oh, I'd stick with Brock Purdy. Yeah. So would I. How about you? I'd probably stick with him. Yeah, absolutely. That that week. But if he doesn't play well, then you know where to go. I wonder if it's a little bit of Dolphins Earl Morrow with Bob Greasy. Uh, you guys probably aren't old enough to remember that. But you know the history. Earl Morrow let him. He quarterback most of the perfect season. Mm-hmm. The backup. He, he, Greasy was hurt. When it came time to win the Super Bowl, Bob Greasy won the Super Bowl for him. You know, what I mean, so I mean, it, so it does happen sometimes. You know, so it, 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 yeah, it, and that's where being a really good coach in Kyle Shanahan, he's going to make the right decision. Yeah, so. and, and keep in mind, this is not an organization that loves Jimmy Garoppolo. They were prepared to move on. Not that much has changed. He's played well in a tough circumstance, and he deserves credit for that. And he deserves a nice contract, whether it's the Jets or maybe he replaces Brady in Tampa. Maybe he goes back to New England. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a lot of suitors. But if I'm the 49ers, I mean, you can't just radically change. They're not going to radically change how they feel about Jimmy Garoppolo in a year's time. You're convinced. Are you convinced Brady's playing and not in Tampa? You're convinced on both? Uh, I'm 100% convinced he's playing. And I'm 85% convinced it's not in Tampa. How about you? I'm convinced he's playing. It seems like it's not in Tampa anymore. Interesting. We'll talk. Let's take a break. We'll come back. I want to talk more about that. Also, get back to the Jags Chargers. One hour to go. We're live at Island Wing Company. Glad you're with us on a Wednesday. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Welcome back to the Frangie Show on this Kitchen and Flooring Design Center Wednesday. Live here at Island Wing Company on Southside Boulevard. You just heard Gibby say in the update that former, I guess, Florida commit, Jaden Rashada, has decided he will not enroll at Florida. He had a conversation with Scott Strickland today, the athletic director at Florida. And he now has requested for his national letter of intent to be released. Frank and Hayes, this is not good news for the Gators program, I think many would say. But, Hayes, I'm wondering if he's decommitted from Miami first and now from Florida, what's exactly going on with this kid? Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see, you know, what the, the future holds. Uh, you know, I, I just think a spectacularly huge embarrassment and failure for the University of Florida and their football program. I mean, this was the anchor of your signing class. Uh, you know, now what are you doing at quarterback? What's the future plan? You've only got three guys in the room, two of which I don't think you're overly excited to have, and, and Miller and Brown. Uh, we'll see about Graham Mertz, but that seems like a wild swing in the dark of, of working out to be a top SEC quarterback. Rashada sort of gave fans a little bit of hope of, okay, well, if Mertz doesn't work, maybe you can go to Rashada and find some lightning in a bottle with a true, talented true freshman, and, uh, you know, and maybe that would solidify your future. Uh, I, just, I think it's an absolute disaster for Florida. It, it reeks of an organization that is just dysfunctional. That, that's what it, it – this shows – to me, this shows that Florida has – massive infrastructure problems from the top all the way down if you can't figure out whatever i mean this obviously this this has got to be something related to an nil situation why would the kid commit sign i mean again he just signed uh and so obviously there was some expectation this isn't i've been practicing for three days and Graham Mertz is getting all the, st- the reps with the one, so I'm out of here. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't even got. he never enrolled. So, obviously, 
this was something that was promised that was not delivered, and that's a complete embarrassment for the University of Florida. Yeah, so here's, here's, here's the bottom line. I'll give you the bottom line. It's all about this is the downside, if you're a Florida fan, this is the downside of NIL. He was promised, for what in his mind, he was promised more millions than he was going to get. The number you hear is seven to ten million dollars to come to the University of Florida. That's the number for a high school kid who's never played a college down to come to the University of Florida. The, the number you hear is somewhere north of seven million dollars. Whether that's what the Tennessee guy get, eight million. Okay, you heard this. You heard you heard this is north of seven million dollars, and the truth of the matter is, Florida botched the NIL thing. Whether they offered him more before and didn't make good on it, whether there was a misunderstanding on what was offered, whether this guy Darren Heitner was in the middle of it, I don't know or not. They just keep in there hear his name come up. But what the, what this is is a botch. So I disagree with Hayes, and, and I agree with something you said, and I disagree with something else you said. What this tells me is that Florida doesn't know how to manage the NIL. That's what it tells me. I don't think – I mean, the kid obviously two weeks ago at Under Armour practice was telling everybody – he wanted to go to Florida, right? Now, all of a sudden, he doesn't want to go to Florida. Well, nothing football could have changed. They didn't change their weight room. Mertz was already there, or Mertz was already coming. So nothing, nothing football changed. No coach got fired. No coach quit. No, play, no other player transferred in. So nothing football – we know for a fact nothing football changed unless, there's, unless, unless we learn later, you know, later on that some, some quarterback coach got fired or something. But for the most part – we're pretty sure nothing on the football. This is the best evidence that what the NIL thing can do. Nothing on the football side changed. All of a sudden, he is not going there. What that tells you is that the NIL deal, he did not get the NIL deal that he thought he was getting. And remember, this is a kid that committed to Miami. Okay, He committed from California to Miami and then – miraculously changed his mind and was going to go to Florida. And so that means something happened NIL there too. A lot of people believe that Ruiz and who, 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 all the Miami people were going to give him a bunch of money and then an intermediary got along, came along and somehow guaranteed him more money to Florida. And so he went to Florida and then he found out he really wasn't getting the more money, so he's, he's leaving. That's what this is. So it's an epic fail on the management of the NIL. In my mind, that's what it is. And I think until Florida figures out NIL, if NIL stays the way it is, they're not going to get as many transfer portal guys because they're not getting as many as others. They're not going to recruit as well in some, some regards. I'm looking at the at the 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 the, what, what, the 24 I'm, I'm going to do the on three recruiting rankings, okay? Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Miami fourth, Ohio State fifth, Oklahoma 6, LSU 7, okay? So Miami, Notre Dame 8. Miami fin in Florida was 10th in this before the Rashad was Miami has finished in this list ahead of Ohio State, LSU, Notre Dame, Oregon. With all due respect, Miami hasn't out-recruited those teams in 20 years, collectively. I'm not saying they had not finished ahead of one of them. They haven't, they haven't out-recruited LSU in three decades, all of a sudden they're ahead of them. Why? Because they figured out how to – and Mario Cristobal's a good recruiter. He proved that everywhere he's been. But they figured out how to manage the NIL. Florida 
lost this but they didn't but they but they messed up the NIL with Rashada. No matter how much other good stuff Miami did with the NIL, they messed it up with Rashada or he would be going there. Rashada, they wanted Rashada, but they messed up the NIL with him and he left. Now Florida messed up the NIL with him and he left again. So the question you got to ask is does Rashad remember Rashad is now decommitted from two schools that he was going to. And everybody believes it's all about the NIL. So what these what Florida has to figure out a way to do is to better manage the NIL than than they're managing it. And again, in fairness, in fairness to Florida and Miami, this is one guy that committed to Miami because he said it was the perfect fit. That was the, remember that that's the phrase he used was perfect fit to go to Miami, and then left. So suddenly Florida became a better fit than the perfect fit. And then he couldn't wait to get to Florida. As of two weeks ago, he was quoted as saying, man, I can't wait to get down there. I can't wait to get down there. And now all of a sudden he's not as interested. So this is the downside of the NIL. It's the downside of people outside the kids managing the NIL. And that's what happened. So I don't agree with Hayes that it's all totally dysfunctional. If it was, they wouldn't wouldn't be in the 10-12 range in recruiting. I think they're doing some good stuff with recruiting. To your point earlier, we'll see how good of coaches they are. But they've proven they can recruit or they wouldn't be in the top 10. But they have, but, but the NIL is an epic fail here. And, again, what we'll learn more. By the way, I would think some stuff's going to come out about this one. Someone's going to pop off. Someone's going to be pissed and pop, whether it's publicly or whether somebody tells blah, 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 blah. But something's coming out on this. I wonder exactly what's going on in Jaden Rashada's mind because it's not like he decommitted from a school that doesn't have a lot of NIL money the first time to then turn around. And then, Frank, you were off the day, but Hayes and I on National Signing Day – the early one, were following the Rashada story all day long because he was the only Gator right. commit to not have signed. And we thought we might close the show by saying Florida's lost out on him. So something's going on with Rashada, I think, that's bigger than just Florida or bigger than Miami. There's something, I think, else going on. I have no idea. I'm not going to speculate as to what it is. Yeah. But it's a very strange situation that he, at the 11th hour, right. decided he was going to go to Florida or, or confirm he was going to go to Florida right. by signing. Miami fans were all mad when he left Miami. Right. Florida fans are now all mad that he left Florida. It's ha- because it's happened twice, something, something's going on there with Jaden Rashada and NIL. Yeah, and, and we'll see what kind of a career Jaden Rashada has and what ultimately maybe this doesn't end up being that big of a deal. Rashada doesn't become a great collegiate player. Maybe it becomes a huge deal, and Rashada has an excellent career wherever he lands up. Uh, I just think from a perception standpoint, uh, this makes Florida look like amateur hour. It just does. And Florida may not like that the NIL world that they find themselves in, but they have two choices. Either get with NIL and have a shred of hope of having a competitive football team or turn your back on NIL and say, we're Florida and we're not doing this. Okay, that's fine, but you're now going to be Wake Forest when it comes to football. And that may be a... Uh, I'm not trying to take a shot at Wake Forest, but you're going to be irrelevant is my point. You are going to be irrelevant. This is where the game is gone, and it's not going to ever go back. NIL is here. It's not going away. And the schools, college football is now Major League Baseball. And the schools that spend the most through their collectives are going to be the schools that have the best chance to win. And again, if Florida wants to be the the devil rays, then by all means do that. But, I mean, if you want to be a contender in the SEC, then you're going to have to convince your boosters 
to spend this money. And yeah. if you can't get them to spend the money, then you're not going to be very good. Unfortunately, that's just it's a right. black and white world in college football now. Two things. Number one, I love that you went devil raise and not raise. <laughs> that was the best part of that whole rant is that you went devil raise because from now on in the show, they will forever be mentioned as the devil raise. That's the best part of your rant. The second part is they're not the devil raise, although I love that. But but they're not the devil raise because they're 10th in recruiting and maybe now 12th or whatever. But the, the reality – I've got to quit, quit laughing. I'm trying to make a point now. you got me laughing. But the, but the fact of the matter is they did manage NIL. That's why they finished 10th in recruiting. That's why they've got a handful of, of, of portal guys. The problem is they didn't handle as well as others. They don't have as much money as others, it would appear. they had. So what you're saying is if they want to be Alabama and Georgia. Because already, if the, I can tell you this, if they finish in the top ten in recruiting a bunch of years in a row, it isn't going to be McIlwain Mullen type years anymore. They're going to have some good players. Now, maybe they won't coach them well. we still got to figure that part out. But to your point, they're also not going to be Kirby or Nick. To get back to Kirby or Nick. What you're saying is if they want to be Kirby or Nick, they got to do everything you said. And I I'm think not that sure should be the expectation. Absolutely it should be the yeah. expectation. But I'm saying but, – but the point is I'm not sure they're headed there. Well, they're but, not. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> cool. well but I'm not sure they're ever going to get there. It's all Rashad's fault. Yeah. But, but I'll say this one more time. I'm not trying to beat up on the kid. I don't even know the kid. But he did the same thing to two schools. It looks worse for Florida because it happened after he signed. But he did the exact same thing to two schools. There's no getting around this. He firmly committed to one school, left and said it was a great fit, and then boom, left, and then he did it to a second school. There's, there's no getting around that. I just think it makes Billy Napier look foolish when he gets up there for his signing day press conference and is asked about Jaden Rashada right. and gushes about the sure. personal connection right. and how That's this right. just felt right. And, this, you know, and, and obviously he's either naive yeah. or he was totally lying yeah. because well. – Obviously, and look, I don't blame the kid. If, if this is how you want to handle your college recruitment, it's what NFL free agents do all the time. They tell their agent, get me to the, spot, the place that offers the most money. That's where I'm going to sign as a free agent. Wherever, whoever gives me the most money is where I'm going. And it's clear that Jaden Rashada made that decision about where he's going to play his college football. Yeah. That's fine. But how Billy Napier now looks, in my opinion, like a complete amateur for his response to how close and connected Jaden Rashada was to the Florida staff. I mean, that's laughable. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing is the best way to manage it or to figure out, to learn about this, here's what we'll learn about is we'll learn about this when we see whether or not Lagway comes a year from now. We'll learn about this when we see what kind of recruiting year they have next year. We'll learn about this to see if, the, if there's any growth improvement in the program. Right now, the Rashada thing, again, I, I'll say it again. I have no idea what happened. He did it to two schools. He did it, this is the second time. And who knows if he won't do it to whatever next school comes along. I'll be interested to follow the recruitment now to see where he winds up. When we come back, I want to get back to the Brady thing. You have me interested in the Brady thing. And a little more Jags Charger talk. Stay with us. Lots of movement in baseball signings. Haven't seen if anybody signed with the Devil Rays lately, but we'll certainly, <laughs> check, we'll certainly check on that. I was trying to make a point. <laughs> that was fantastic. I think you did great, very well. It was a great moment. Great moment. Um, I want to go back to Brady. So – is the, the conventional thinking, to your point earlier, is that he's playing but not with Tampa Bay? Is that, is that I mean, yes. media run the league, that's kind of the, huh. Yeah, that he'll play and it'll probably be either San Francisco or Las Vegas where he ends up. Okay, okay. Cause I, and I can really see Vegas. I guess I can see either one of them. But uh, it just. Vegas for sure because Derek Carr and the Raiders are clearly done. And he almost went there the last time. And, and there were connections last time, and it's a reunion with Josh McDaniels. Yeah, we, we all know the legendary quote 
that he that he that he said to somebody that was meant to be private was, "She's they're going to stay with that guy, then I'll just do this." And everybody believes nobody knows that that was Carr they were talking about, right? We all remember the quote. Yeah, it and, certainly could have been. And, and people people believe that that's who they were talking about. She's they're going to stay with that guy, then I'll just do this, leading people to believe that the Tampa wasn't his first choice, but his first choice chose not to not to go after him at the end of the day. And if that's all the case, um, I'll be interested to see that. But to me, San Francisco doesn't make as much sense, even though he's from there and who wouldn't want him. And they're, they're like Tampa was a couple years ago, a quarterback away from being great. I, I get all that. So maybe it's a year and then they, then they go back to Purdy, Lance, whoever. I just My gut tells me that's not going to happen. They've got, they've got – they invested in, in Lance – Purdy is an awfully good guy to have in there competing with Lance. My gut tells me it won't be San Francisco. And I may be way off and we'll know soon enough, I guess. But my gut tells me it won't be. If you're correct, and if A, he is playing, and B, it's definitely not Tampa, boy, Vegas makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? Yeah, he, obviously Josh McDaniels. There's, there's too many. It, it makes sense on way too many levels. They've obviously moved on from Derek Carr. Jared Stidham could back him up again. You know, it, 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 Josh McDaniels is there. That would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, and the weapons are, are quality. Devontae, well, he's got Devontae Adams, Adams is a superstar. He's the ultimate weapon. Yeah, Hunter Renfro is somebody Brady will really connect with. Uh, Waller is is uh, certainly a unbelievable athlete at tight end. Josh Jacobs, I, I have to think there's a chance that they find a way to bring him back after the incredible year that he had. So I think if you're Brady, you're looking at it. They're going to have to reinforce the offensive line. They're going to have to get better on defense. But the, the good thing about signing Brady is you don't have to give up. It's not a trade. You're not giving up draft compensation. He's just a free agent. You just sign him to the deal and you move on. And so uh, I think if you're the Raiders, you're able to devote uh, your draft to fortifying the defense and the offensive line. And, again, if you add Tom Brady – then you're probably going to be able to add two or three other veteran free agents that are ring chasing and are willing to take very little money over you know the the minimum to to play and, and have a chance to play with Tom and uh, go on that run because everybody if he goes to Vegas everybody's going to believe that they become the biggest threat to Kansas City in that division and they will be picked to either win the division or be a wild card team by, I think, pretty much everybody. I mean, if, if he goes to Vegas, they become absolutely contender to win 11, 12 games. Yeah, I mean, think about it. The fact that the Raiders had so much success this year statistically, but obviously just didn't get the wins on the field. Yeah, I think it's much more Vegas than it would be San Fran just because of the quarterback room they already have and the style of football that San Francisco ideally would want to run. Yeah, so, so we'll see what happens. I think San Fran's the favorite. Because I think if you, if you add him to the 49ers, and again, it would be a one-year deal, but if you add him to the 49ers, I, I, I think that, I mean, that's a team that could just be ridiculously good. Because they're Debo really good. Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, yeah. Ayuk, and, right, and then and, you bring in Tom Brady yeah, by with the way, that defense. And you just ran off a bunch of, I was just say, you just ran off a bunch of offensive guys, one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah, so, so you're right. And you know what? It's, con- it's conceivable – that they tell both Purdy and Lance, you're in our plans. A good competition between you're both really young guys. Yeah, but I mean, but, you, but, you, but the goats coming here, and you're going to sit yeah. this one out. He's, if you're Purdy, you, you still have Purdy for three more years under contract. Right, right. Lance, it's a little more complicated because he will now be three years in, right. where you really haven't seen what he can do. 
But, again, I think we just saw it with the Rams. The Rams went all in to win a title. They won a title. They're terrible now, and no one cares because they won the Lombardi Trophy. Now, San Francisco isn't going to have to sacrifice the draft like the Rams did. No, just go sign it. But the way San Francisco will look at the Trey Lance pick and that trade is they'll say if we bring in Tom Brady and he wins a Super Bowl here, it doesn't matter what happens with Trey Lance. If Trey Lance is never a factor here, that's fine as long as we get that ring. And I think they'll. I, I think that'll be where he ends up because I think it's what the 49ers will want to do, and I think it'll be Tom Brady's top choice. But if it doesn't work out, then I think he ends up in Vegas. I wonder at what point do we finally stop talking about Tom Brady being as good? Like I think yes, well, he keeps playing, but certainly they've the Bucks haven't been great this year, and he's found a way. But I do wonder, when is that finally going to end? Well, I do too, but this year, okay, the, the, his first two years with Tampa Bay, 40 touchdowns and 12 picks, 43 and 12 picks. Wasn't as good this year, but 67%. He still threw for 4,700 yards, 25 touchdowns and nine interceptions in a hard, tough, some receivers hurt, broken year kind of thing. Yeah, no offensive line. Right. No off, offensive awful line. line. Still, still. I mean, was, they were upset when they lost Josh Wells. Yeah, right. That tells you all you need to know about Tampa Bay's offense. <laughs> and they players. were. He was their le- and he was their left tackle. He wasn't. He, he wasn't. He wasn't like the swing guard. He was their left tackle, and they were upset when they lost him. So, so yeah. So he still. It, and it's pretty amazing that Tom Brady. It. it uh, he will be forty six before next football season. He would. T- unbelievable. He, he will turn if he plays. He will play as a forty as a forty six year old. Starting quarterback in the National Football League. Picture Jack Nicholas winning the 86 Masters. Right. Because he was 46. Right. right. And then picture Tom Brady right now and doing what he – and those two athletes. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and, it really, and, and, again, we're at a different time. But, but, but nonetheless, I, I, I can tell you, I, I can tell you without question that uh, it's one of the amazing stories. All right. We'll take a break. Uh, almost out of time. Lauren will wrap the program today with the news and notes. This is 1010 92.5 FM. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. All right, gentlemen, as always, News and Notes is brought to you by Doubled Up Sport Fishing Charters. I cannot wait for football season to end. No, that's not true. I want football season to go on forever. But once football season does end, I can't wait to go fishing with Captain John Sheffield above aboard the luxury 50-foot Custom Carolina. It's going to be fantastic, especially with this gorgeous weather that we've been having. Half-day, full-day, or even overnight private fishing charters are available. Visit DoubledUpSportFishingCharters.com to book your charter or find them on Facebook. Frank, I know you saw this on Twitter earlier, and I know you heard the crowd loud and proud. On Saturday night, 70,050 people. Yeah, pretty amazing. First time. And I'm going to say 70,000 Jaguars fans, only 50 Titans fans. First time over 70,000 in uh, since 2012. Uh, best crowd they've had in a long, long time, and I think they're going to do it again. I think we'll be north of 70,000. Tickets are hard to come by, which is the way it's supposed to be, and I think it's going to be rocking again. How blessed are we that we get to do it again the same way? Did you get another night game? Did you get another 8:15 start? Did you get national television again? Did you get another night for everybody to be talking about uh, Duval? I think it's awesome. Get another Sunday to recover, yeah, which yeah. is key as well. <laughs> which is very so, critical. So, yeah, it should be uh, – I'm not going to say it surpasses what we saw against the Titans because I'm not sure that's possible, but I guess that's my challenge. If you can somehow surpass what we saw Saturday night, Jaguar fans, then that, that'd be remarkable. But I think it'll absolutely be packed again. There'll be very few, if any, Chargers fans. 
and uh, it should be a, a party uh, all day long. I can't wait to be back down at uh, Tailgaters for our kickoff show starting at 3 o'clock. And uh, it, was, it was amazing uh, from the second that, that we started on Saturday, and I imagine it will be again. Things got started the right way with that video of Leon Cersei. They put it out on Twitter so people got to see it in advance. And then, Frank, once they showed it inside the stadium, his Duval, it was echoing throughout. I'm hoping there's another Leon Cersei video coming out this Saturday, uh, and especially Saturday night to, to rile up the fans. And here's the other thing. I do think the, the fans that are there will be even louder because I think there will be more to cheer about as far as more points, more touchdowns, things like that. Well, I think you're right. There, there, there will be more going on. And I, you know, you want to cheer for your offense, but the Jaguar offense didn't give them a lot to cheer about last week. So I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think it'll be louder. It'll there'll be more fireworks in the game. Last last week's game was a game. The Titans play it close to the vest. They try to turn it into their kind of a game, which they did. They were very successful in that. The Jaguars might have been a little tight. Honestly, they might have played a little tight early. That's out of. They've had their dress rehearsal. That's out of the way. Yeah, I expect the ball flying all over the park. Josh Allen was named AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Could it have been Rayshon Jenkins? Uh, it could have been, but uh, I'm so glad Josh Allen is starting to play like this and starting to get attention. He's one of the best guys in that locker room. Good person, hard worker, great talent. I'm glad Hazy had a game like that. I really am. Yeah, absolutely, and it's going to be amazing to see what they have in store Saturday night because I think it's going to be fantastic. So special teams coordinator Heath Farwell met with media today. He said that Riley Patterson had general soreness in his knee yesterday. That's why he did not practice. But he was a full participant in practice today. So, Frank, I think people can yeah. relax. We don't have a kicker issue. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I worried about that, too, because every point matters. And he's been very good. He, he, uh, he had one or two games where he was off a little bit. But for the most part, he's made about everything he's looked at. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I got a little nervous about it. You know, I know James McCourt's here. But I'm, I'm glad that the kicker that's been kicking is going to keep kicking. Absolutely. I think Patterson's made 16 of his last 17. You know, it's, he's, he's been uh, incredible been very uh, good. recently. So, yeah, hopefully that continues. I don't think it's a field goal game, though. I think if you hold the – if you either team holds the opponent to a field goal, I don't think that's the end of the world uh, Saturday night. I, you're not going to win this game 18-15. Uh, you're going to need touchdowns to win this game. So, hopefully – Riley Patterson is is healthy and able to hit about five or six extra points because that's what it's going to take to win this game. We've got Al Michaels, Tony Dungy, Kaylee Hartung on the call on NBC Saturday night. Tony Dungy, earlier in the show, Gibby played the clip where he said he voted Coach Peterson as Coach of the Year, Frank. Yeah, I, uh, he did, and you know what? And I'll tell you what I think. It'll make it our 10-10 take. Batteries plus power it, light it, fix it. Eight Jacksonville area locations and proud to have them as a sponsor of the 10-10 take. I'm not trying to be biased guy. I'm not trying to be Homer guy. But there's no doubt in my mind that he deserves to be the coach of the year. If you go back and look, they're plus six. The only other team in the league that won six more games this year than last year was Dan Campbell and the Lions. Brian Dable did a good job. There's a lot of guys that are plus five. But what, what this guy inherited was way worse than what Dayball inherited, was way worse than what just about anybody inherited. And he still found a way to do it. I think Doug Peterson should be the coach of the year. And I, I don't think he's going to win it because New York's a way bigger market. But I think he should be the coach of the year. I don't think Dayball really even has the strongest case of – I'd put Dayball like fourth. I mean, I, I think you look at it. Doug Peterson, I would vote first because – and, again, we have unique knowledge. Not that everybody knows Urban Meyer was a complete disaster. But, again, we've seen it. We saw it every day last year. We've seen every day this year. 
And uh, for Doug Peterson to have won an AFC South title with this team and what they had to overcome, uh, I think it's been remarkable. That's who would get my vote. I would certainly listen to the argument of Kyle Shanahan, uh, 13-4, and four, down to his third quarterback, and they haven't missed a beat. There just aren't that many. Look, if the Jaguars were down to whoever the quarterback would be after C.J. Beathard, right. trust me, they would not be AFC South champions. What, what Kyle Shanahan has done, keeping that team going, uh, losing uh, Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, turning Brock Purdy into this breakout star, uh, I think it's been incredible. I'd vote Peterson. I'd have no problem with Shanahan getting it. Uh, I'd have no problem with Sirianni getting it. I, I don't think Dayball should get it. I think they started out hot, and they cooled down. They finished third in their division, and I don't think it was that difficult to turn around a Giants team that's got you know at least an adequate quarterback in Daniel Jones and has a superstar running back in Saquon Barkley. You don't remember E.J. Perry from training camp? I guess it would be E.J. Perry. <laughs> Why you got to hate mean, on E.J.? That's unbelievable. Or the Jaguars could do what the Titans had done, and that is bring in a veteran quarterback, not with much experience in Josh Jobs, but certainly they could – they could try and go get somebody like that. I'm with Hayes on this. I'm glad it didn't happen. Well, Just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to back, back Hayes' position. Yeah, and to the point I made earlier, the Jaguars are the only team in the playoffs without any pro bowlers. The only two teams in all of the NFL that right. had no pro bowlers were the Bears and the Jaguars. The Bears finished with the number one overall pick. The Jaguars won the AFC South. That, to me, is the only sentence you need to know about why Doug Peterson is coach of the year. And that's not even talking about how dysfunctional it was last year. We got excellent news today. The world did. DeMar Hamlin has been discharged from the hospital in Buffalo. He will continue rehab at home and with the team. That is great news. As scary as that thing was not long ago, knowing now that it is that he's okay, um, the power of prayer, the, 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 the medical science, the medical attention he got, golly, I, it, it's hard to be much happier than, than we are about that. It really is. I saw a tweet earlier this week, by the way, from uh, from Gene Frenette that the Jaguars should be expecting Jaguars fans should be expecting some exciting halftime entertainment. I have not seen an update on that. Have either of y'all? I have not, but I was doing uh, our Jaguar podcast, Death Taxes in Duval, with Mr. Rick Ballou, Okay. who, as you guys know, is pretty well connected oh, in, in the music realm. Yeah. And he said he was like, I can't give anything away, but I know of something pretty cool that's going to happen. Saturday with the anthem. So that? take that for with what it's anthem. worth. Yeah. Okay. So we know kind of who Rick hangs out with. Sure. So uh, anyway, okay. he didn't want to reveal it, but he certainly gave All us right. a strong hint Gives me as to idea. where maybe the Jaguars are going. Gives me, and, I won't, and I won't steal the thunder either, but I hear where you're going, and that'd be all right. By the way, I will be on River City Live on Friday, and the Middleburg native that performed the national anthem well. this past Saturday night will be on River City Live as well on Friday. So I'm you hoping I might actually get to picture, take a picture with this celebrity. Or sing background vocals. Oh, <laughs> well, Do I would that. be, yeah, I guess with his national anthem, the electric guitar, I don't know that I could sing alongside that. It's I can Paul, barely sing Paul? as Paul. Paul Wayne, I believe, yeah. So you're telling me I might get Paul Wayne and Lauren Brooks two-part harmony? Uh, Forget. By the way, I definitely have not been this. asked to sing. So let me just say this: excited about Simon and Garfunkel like will go to second on my <laughs> list if that happens. Just so you know, as two-part harmonies go. Uh, you guys may or may not have seen that the Arizona Cardinals requested to speak with Saints coach Sean Payton. How good would Sean Payton be with Kyler Murray? He'd be good anywhere. Um, sure. But, I, but I think Hayes. I think Hayes has hit this. Um, if Sean Payton chooses to return 
and every indication seems to be that he's going to and wants to. He's gonna. He will have his pick. He will pick a team with a quarterback. Now look, the the Saints are due compensation now, and, and, and pro- probably significant compensation. But I think if it comes down just to Sean Payton, Payton picking, my guess is he's going to pick a place with an established quarterback. And I, and Kyler Murray, I don't know. He's hurt. I thought his star faded a little bit. I don't know that I sense that that's the one that uh, Sean would pick. Sean's interviewed with Arizona and Denver. I think. I, I guess if you had to pick, I'd pick Denver, but they're both, I think, tough jobs right now. Uh, Houston has an interest in talking with Sean Payton. I don't know why you'd go there if you're Sean Payton unless you just absolutely love. Uh, I, I Really, you need to love two quarterbacks in this draft because you have the second pick. Uh, it, it, to me, if you're Sean Payton, you are a big Jaguar fan Saturday night. I think you're hoping the Jaguars knock out the Chargers. The Chargers look at, at Brandon Staley is a good not great head coach they fire brandon staley as maybe unfair as that would be uh and and they bring in sean payton to me that is an absolute home run you have sean payton partnering with justin herbert Mm -hmm. it's not i mean from a jaguars perspective it's not ideal because it just adds to your difficult path and the AFC where you've already got Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and you've got Josh Allen in Buffalo and you've got Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. But I think if, if you're Sean Payton, your hope is the Chargers job comes open and you get to work with Justin Herbert for the next decade. Yeah, I certainly think so. And uh, we're about to say hello to Rick Blue. I'm sure he was, uh, since he's anti-Gator, excited about the news, Frank, that Jaden Rashada requested a release from his national letter of intent at Florida today. All right, let's uh, say hello to Rick Blue. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet, keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, Ricky, we're getting closer, bro. We're hump day, hump day for another big weekend. Yeah, it's pretty special, isn't it? It it, it feels great, um, just loving all this uh, you know, ways of, of, of looking at this game with all the brand new coaches. I mean, 10 firings a year ago. We have five new coaches uh, who will be uh, going out there trying to win a playoff game. Uh, new coaches for new teams trying to win a playoff game. So, yeah, the excitement level is, uh, is huge. And, you know, I think this is arguably the, the best game of the weekend. I, I think some of them are really slanted in favor of the home team. Others, you can maybe flip a coin. But this one, to me, feels like one of those last possession type of games. You know it's going to be up and down the field, don't you? Oh, yeah. That, that, that's the feeling you get is that it's going to be up and down the field. Uh, Rick, any other games that have your attention more than others of these uh, of the first uh, six? You know, not really. Uh, can San Francisco, you know, they've dominated Seattle, but, you know, they started Trey Lance and they went to Jimmy Garoppolo. Now they've gone to Brock Purdy. I mean, all they do is win. Why is there a little bit of me that is hesitant that – when this team crashes, it's going to be a severe one. They're a big favorite over Geno Smith and Pete Carroll, but I'm going to keep an eye on San Francisco. I have a feeling a big egg is coming from them. Yeah, well, we'll see. All right, what's coming up tonight? A little Jaguar talking more, I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah, we got all that. We'll check the money with our good friend, uh, the Philly Godfather, really? and, you know, we'll, uh, we'll take a look at everything that is going on midweek as far as where the money is going, where the bet, uh, where the bet slips are going as well. Uh, the very latest coming out of L.A. on this game here Saturday, plus a little bit of college football, so we're going to be jam-packed over the next couple hours. All right, sounds like a plan. Thank you, Rick. See you. Thank you. Rick Ballou goes into the night.
right now as we get out of here. Tomorrow, live 2 to 4, uh, we will be in studio. And then don't forget our big show at Dick's Wings on Beach Boulevard comes up on Friday afternoon, our pep rally show in conjunction with our friends from the Jacksonville Jaguars. But tomorrow, 2 to 4, our normal time. We'll see you then. Thanks again to uh, all our great friends here at Island Wing Company. Every Wednesday, you know we're going to be here having a few cold ones, eating some wings, and having a big time. We're out of here. For Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby, I'm Frank Franzi. So long.